106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. I would just like to first start out asking you, how do you do your job? I mean, you get so much hate, so much backlash. I mean, I personally, I, I personally love you. <laughs> I do. I, I, I love you. I really love you. Like I would, I would leave my husband for you. Yep, sorry, shouldn't, shouldn't say that, but, but seriously. Um, back to the question, how do you do your job? I think number one, you gotta love your job. I uh, I love what I do. I, I love controlling people. I love being in this spotlight, having people look to me and say, what do we do? And, and I decide everything. I mean, there's only one doctor in the world and it's me, it's me. Um, and the people don't, that don't like it, the people that have a problem with me, uh, they need to be dealt with. They need to be dealt with. I honestly, I, I have no idea how anyone, anyone could speak out against you. When the Ted Cruz's and the Rand Paul's, they speak out against me. When anyone speaks out against me, they are speaking out against science. When I think of you, I think of science. I represent science. I am science. Science did not exist. It, it, it was nothing until I came. I came onto this planet, Earth, and I brought science with me. I am science. Yes. And what people don't understand is that sometimes science requires people to lose their individual freedom. It's just, it's science. And sometimes science requires people to be injected with things they don't want because you say they should be. I mean, you are science, right? And, and sometimes science says that uh, we should brutally mutilate animals uh, for the cause of science, you know? You're talking about the dogs. You're talking about the dogs. I uh, I hate dogs. I hate them. Oh, I do not like them either. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, so when is this pandemic going to end? Never. The governor and I, and we were all... Um, doing a tour of the library here and um, talking about the significance of the passage of time, right? The significance of the passage of time. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time in terms of what we need to do to lay these wires, what we need to do to create these jobs. And there is such great significance to the passage of time when we think about a day in the life of our children. The passage of time. The passage of time. The passage of time. Right? The significance, great significance, such great significance to the passage of time. Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Turn around, ladies, for me, please. You know there's a God who sits on high and looks down low. Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. no. Yeah. I can't. You can't? Not in okay. this context. So I'm you not believe a biologist. The meaning of the word woman is so unclear and controversial that you can't give me a definition? Gotcha, bitch.
penis girls have a vagina. So today was a rough day. Um, I've been watching the Supreme Court Justice confirmation hearings of Judge uh, Jackson. And up until today, I, I thought that Ringo here, Ringo, I thought he was a dog. But I'm not a veterinarian. So, I mean, I, I really can't say. I can't. I can't say what it is. I can't say what it is. So, I don't know. In the early 2000s, the U.S. decided to go after Saddam Hussein. But why? We had already defeated him in the Gulf War when he decided to take over the oil reserves in Kuwait. So, why kill him? Well, Americans were told that he was a monster, that he gassed his old people, and that he had weapons of mass destruction. Of course, that was all propaganda. There were no weapons of mass destruction. And according to war historians, Hussein didn't gas his own people either. On March 16, 1988, near the end of the eight-year-long Iran-Iraq War, Iraq attacked invading Iranians in the town of Halabja. The Kurds that died in that attack were, tragically, collateral damage. Not only that, U.S. intelligence reports stated that it was Iranian gas that killed the Kurds. By the way, that war was over water. So again, why go after Hussein? Was it just part of the Bush doctrine to expand American power in the Middle East? It looks like it, but that's not what happened. The U.S. captured and executed Saddam Hussein on December 30th, 2006. And that's when the real monsters showed up, ISIS. So what's the moral? Number one, Rome fell because of overexpansion. Don't bite off more than you can chew. And number two, it takes a monster to fight monsters. Better the devil you know than the devil you don't. Food for thought. God bless America. Well, how do you do tonight? This is Lou Benninger, and you're listening to No Hostages Radio. I just kept getting sidetracked, getting ready for this show, and kept getting later and later and later. And I thought, I'm going to be up all night doing this show. So uh, thank you for listening. No Hostages Radio, that's the name, Lou Benninger. And uh, thank you for checking into us. Uh, maybe this is your first time. Maybe uh, you're just dipping in and out of here. Uh, we've got a website, NoHostagesRadio.com, where you can find old episodes and articles I've written, but you may have found us through your podcast at just simply No Hostages Radio. You can reach me uh, a couple ways. If you want to send me an email or send me a clip or uh, give me things that you think might be interesting to me or give me some criticism, whatever you need to do, you can send it to, uh, if you want to use email, at Lou, L-O-U, at NoHostagesRadio.com. Com. Or you can uh, text me on my phone at 530-713-1838, 530-713-1838. If you want to talk, I will talk. Uh, just uh, I'm on the left coast here, and I don't even know how many hours difference because we just went through daylight savings, which I hate. I hate changing the time, and every time politicians say, at this time of year, in fact, I got some from this John Garamendi, who's been in office since uh, before the Tyrannosaurus died. Uh, he said, you know, he's complaining about the uh, daylight savings times. I thought, you know something, dude, you've been in you've been in uh, office since you were in diapers 
and you haven't figured this out to stop it like like I can't stop it right that this is politics and uh so he's whining about daylight savings and I thought why are you talking to me about it like you am I going to fix it talking on this podcast anyway I don't even know I think I don't know whether the East Coast goes through daylight savings. I know it fouls me up talking to people in Vietnam and Cambodia and places I got to do business. Anyway, um, call me up if you want. Dial me up. Uh, text me. Whatever you want if you want to connect. Also, uh, let's see. We also do a live show. This show will come up on uh, 326 2022, March 26th. That's a Saturday morning. Early Saturday morning, Tanner Martis makes this thing sound right after I get done with it. He's down in Conroe, Texas. Uh, and But we also do a live show now. We just started, uh, we're coming up on our one-year mark. We started in May of last year. And it's it's called Live with Lou. And it's on KMYC 1410 AM here in Yuba County. Uh, but it doesn't reach all the way across the United States or even across California. So if you want to listen to that live, you can go to live365.com. We start at 10 in the morning and finish at 1 in the afternoon. So you can go to live365.com. That's a place where people use to live stream if they don't have their own operation. And we're still rebuilding the studio because it got torched. It got arsoned here uh, a year ago or so. And uh, so it's it's running. But... We haven't. We can't put the pedal to the metal yet. So if you want to listen to that, you can. And uh, if you want to listen to a redo of this, you can go to uh, Live with Lou Facebook page, Live with Lou. And sometimes you can pick up one of our articles. We've had some trouble lately. We had a spike in the uh, Pacific Gas and Electric. That's who provides our utilities here on the left coast in Northern California, and we had a spike. They said, oh, we, well, there was just a flutter. A flutter blew out our board the other day. So we've had a trouble uh, recording some of the uh, shows. So we may, you may uh, miss a couple. But uh, that all aside, life is pretty darn good. Um, we, You know, aside from everything else going on in the world, right? Count your blessings. Somebody said one by one. And uh, I got a lot of things to be thankful for. And uh, a lot of people that I grew up with are dead today uh, from old age, Vietnam, uh, living recklessly, drugs, alcohol, all kinds of stuff. So uh, sometimes just uh, fate, you know, somebody gets sideswiped, but you got the green and somebody runs the red and takes you out of the takes you out of the ball game. Uh, we are here to do one thing, and that is stir the pot and see if we can motivate people to stand up for what this country was designed to be. We're way far away from it. You know, it's kind of like making a wrong, uh, a slight wrong uh, path to get to your destination, and all of a sudden you keep driving that way, and after a few hours you're way off course. You're way off course. And uh, we are way off course, and so I decided uh, a long time ago that I was going to throw down and I was going to speak my piece about where I thought America is and where I thought America should be, and I started writing some articles for a newspaper, a weekly newspaper here in the local area, and then uh, my friend, Dave, friends Dave and Cheryl Bryan talked me into doing an hour of radio that, that grew into three hours, 
And I didn't really want to do that uh, because I, I wasn't a radio guy. I didn't have any experience in that. So uh, anyway, I ended up, long story short, I ended up doing that. Then, then when I quit doing that, I did this podcast, and now I'm back on the radio. So I, I don't want to bore you with that. That's not information that's going to help you. But I'm, if you're stumbling across and like, am I here to entertain you? Some of the things we talk about might be entertaining, but really the goal is, is to inform you about how dire the situation is and in, in the United States of America and uh, what you can do about it. And the the uh, founders of this country believed that the population needed to be engaged in the process of running this country and should not turn it over to people to run it for them. And right now what we have is people that have actually taken control of the country and are treating us as slaves or serfs or paupers or people that just need to keep your mouth shut and keep a low profile while they run the country. And that's exactly the opposite of what the founding fathers wanted. In fact, they said the reason they left us with the Second Amendment rights to pack weapons was to go back and take the country right back using weapons because they already faced trying to take uh, their country uh, to themselves from England because their weapons were being confiscated as well. So they wanted to put that in there. So now here we are again in 2022, and we're in a very dangerous situation. I've I've lived a long time, and I've never seen anything like this in my life, even when I was uh, very ignorant of politics or history. But I listened to my parents who were went through the Depression, which was man-made, and, uh, and also World War II, which was created. Uh, by the the big cabal, uh, the world global cabal. And we could just go on and on and on. But my point is I'm here. uh, I could be doing a lot of other things. You could be doing a lot of other things, I'm sure. I'm here to, uh, I'm going to set things straight uh, and with the way things ought to be. And you probably have an opinion on that. Go get yourself a radio show or podcast or write an article. That's what this country is all about, free speech. And throwing down and having people uh, have a fiery debate in the marketplace on why we are here. What are we doing here? And America was created not just for a bunch of people to have a way to uh, celebrate their religious rights. It was a place that would be actually a launching pad to expand the kingdom of God throughout the world. There was a lot more to it than just having freedom from oppression in Europe. But people thought there was a divine destiny in coming to this country. I'm not talking about every person, but the the people that, you know, it's interesting. I've been uh, involved in business and involved in nonprofits, different types of nonprofits. It just doesn't take very many people to guide an organization into the ditch or into really some amazing success. You don't need everybody to be on board, and they, neither did they have everybody on board when they launched the revolution. But they had enough on board to create an amazing country that within 100 years from the time the first settlers came from Europe, it was, a, it was the largest industrialized nation in the world. That's amazing if you think that they had no, that a lot of the equipment and devices had never even been created yet. 
And within from starting in the 1600s, within 100 years, it was a it was the fastest growing and largest uh, industrialized nation in the world. I, it that's just startling. So it's just sad. The sad thing is that that history is not being properly taught and actually wasn't really taught well anyway uh, with with uh, gusto and uh, zeal and being colorful. Uh, in the very beginning, I wanted to mention, and since I'm talking about history is something that's coming up right around the corner. In fact, it's coming up, uh, a week from today and it's April 2nd, 2022. And it's had, it's going to be hosted by church of glad tidings, but the people that are putting this on, uh, the California sheriff's, uh, organization, um, and they are putting on a training for anybody in law enforcement in, of any flavor, sheriffs, police, uh, deputies, uh, chiefs, elected officials, probation officers, and any citizens that are interested in the Constitution and the responsibilities of the oath of office. Now, we have seen one or two years now, we've seen, let's call it two years of people taking the oath of office and particularly in elected positions and turning right around and going just the opposite direction of their oath of office. And they actually sold their constituents uh, out for, uh, for shekels. They got money and they ruined the lives of their constituents. And so the gorilla gorilla learning Institute and you can go to their website at GorillaLearningInstitute.org. That's Gorilla, G-O-R-I-L-L-A, like the animal. GorillaLearningInstitute.org. You can sign up for this event. It's going to be an all-day event. And you might think, well, I wonder, like, who's teaching? I'm glad you've been thinking about it because two amazing people are teaching. Sheriff Richard Mack, who not only was a, a good sheriff, now retired, but actually ended up in a scrap with the Clinton administration instead of just rolling over, took them to the Supreme Court of the United States and won and lived to tell about it. The second thing he did was he created a national Calif uh, national sheriff's organization, constitutional sheriff's organization, because he realized that there was such an amazing ignorance. And I don't mean to be disparaging it by saying it that way. But even though they're, they're sheriff, generally sheriffs are an amazing group of people, but there was an amazing amount of ignorance or lack of knowledge about the oath of office and the power of the sheriff in each county in the United States. There are over 3,000, I think, 100 and something counties or jurisdictions called something like a county. They don't call it a county. Uh, and, and Mac put this together and has been a great help to sheriffs around the country has been teaching ever since. So the other person that's here teaching, uh, as well is coming in is Chris Ann Hall. That's K R I S A N N E E one word, Chris Ann Hall. And she is rocking and rolling, uh, the world on teaching the constitution. Now I've heard a lot of people teach. She is a great history teacher because she, uh, seasons into the teaching of the Constitution, amazing Americans that you've never heard of that actually influenced the destiny of this country. And so Chris Ann's going to be here. Uh, if, if you connect with her, 
Uh, she's at Liberty First University. I think they may have changed the name to that, but I think if you uh, duck, duck, go at Chris Ann Hall, Liberty First University, you're going to find a lot of her different elements. Uh, she does online schools on the Constitution. She does in-class physical coming to your place, teaching law enforcement officials. Uh, she's teaching like between two over 200 times a year the last I talked to her. When she was out here. So this event uh, is a one full day. It's it's uh, begins the registration at 730 in the morning. Event starts at 830. It ends at four. There's lunch included. It's forty nine dollars. Now, that's a buy. And you can uh, go on, <clears throat> as I mentioned, gorilla gorilla <clears throat> learning institute dot org. Now, if you if you think, oh, man, I, I wish I would have been taught the Constitution, or I wish I had time to l- read the Constitution or uh, understand it, da-da-da. There's lots of ways. If you go to our website, uh, nohostagesradio.com, we have a, two or three, three different spots, Hillsdale College, Chris Ann Hall, and the uh, and uh, Jake McCauley's group, all places you can learn the Constitution online. But you can, if you've got a Saturday, come and spend it with some cool people. I think there's going to be some elect uh, candidates uh, running for office. I think an attorney general candidate's going to be there speaking at lunchtime. But uh, come to this and bring your kids. You know, I'd bring my, honestly, kids need to learn the Constitution. They'll learn more from this one day than they, than they got from all of high school and college. Uh, or will get from college if you're going to pay to them to have them go there. Shame on you. So uh, Church of Glad Tidings, that's 1179 Eager Road. And they call it Live Oak, California, but it's actually just north of Yuba City out, out in the fruit trees off Highway 99, 1179 Eager, E-A-G-E-R Road. So, uh, okay, that's that. And sign up, get signed up. It's a great deal. And uh, I think you'll have a great time there. All right, let me, oh, I want to also mention that I'm very, I'm so excited that we, because we, uh, California is shrinking by the day, they say we lost just under 200,000 people last year, people fleeing the state. I'm not going to spend any time on why, but uh, because they lost a congressional congressional seat in Congress, Uh, they're now they had to redistrict the entire state to f- figure how to s- how to spread out the people representative wise. And Kevin Kiley, the third district changed from Eubin Sutter County, plus other counties to now being called th- this group of counties. And uh, so this group of counties is the now th- new third district. Yuba is in it. And uh, so Sacramento County, part of Sacramento County. Uh, is there, followed by Nevada County, El Dorado County, Plumas, Inyo, Mono, Yuba, Sierra, Alpine. That's that's uh, the district. That's now the third district. It used to be Yuba Sutter and over into Yolo. Remember, we, we were rooting for Tamika Hamilton, which I am still, but she's running against Ami Barra. So I just gave her the, some money the other day. She will be a great candidate if she can beat Barra. But Kylie, Kevin Kylie, who has been the most active uh, conservative uh, assembly member uh, in California, is is now running. He was raised up there in this area that he's running from, uh, and that's the Placer County area. And um, he has a shot at winning this. And so uh, let's help him. 
you can I just sent him some money as well and you can go to elect Kevin Kylie K E V I N K I L E Y dot com. I also ordered a bunch of signs for Yuba County since that's where I'm sitting and I haven't got them yet, but I ordered them a bunch, big ones and small ones to try to get out around the area here. But uh Kevin Kylie is a fighter and what we don't need is Republican or conservative wallflowers. We need people that'll throw down. That's why I like these women from, uh, from Georgia and from Colorado in the house of representatives, Lauren Boebert and uh, the others. And some of the freshmen are actually more outspoken than the old dogs in the Congress. And I like it. Uh, because we're going to need to fight. This is not something where you're just going to need to be able to get along with people. We need to fight. And so elect Kevin Kiley. Listen, if you're in Sutter County, you're you're now going to be represented by a wallflower uh, by the name of Doug LaMalfa, who uh, is based out of Richvale, California. His his family's been farmers for years. I think they're glad he went to Congress because I think they do better without him on the farm, they say. So um, anyway... Uh, this says about Kylie's got 64,000 followers on Facebook, 62,000 on Instagram, 82,000 on Twitter. Uh, and many of them who live in this new congressional district. In other words, a lot of people followed him because he actually sued the governor of California and tried to stop him from just ignoring the, the uh, assembly and Senate and just simply was a dictator for two years and is continuing to do that. But Kylie took it on on top of all those other responsibilities. He's the one that actually went to school boards and told them to take the masks off. All right, so that's that's my pitch on Kylie. Uh, I don't know uh, whether he's going to be up in this area anytime soon, but the the big deal is not because not that he comes and speaks to the choir, preaches to the choir. If you're already for him, it's it's what are you going to do about it? Are you going to work for it? Are you going to stand up? Are you going to put up signs? Are you going to spit, send them some money? Listen, nobody's getting elected that has no money and no no walkers going going door to door. And uh, so I'm going to speak more about that as we come back. We're going to have six segments. If you're new here, this is the end of our first segment, 20-minute segment six, uh, split up by some clips that I've set aside for you to educate you. Listen, I don't fill. I don't use fillers here, and I don't repeat myself over and over again like some people. I want to educate you and uh, help you do do better out there. Okay, be right back. Oh, oh Lord, why have you forsaken me? Got me down in Mississippi, where I don't want to be. Theater presents the original musical drama, Darkest Before Dawn. The disciples of Jesus struggle to comprehend what is happening to their beloved master. Just when the crowds were acknowledging him with a parade of adulation, throwing palm branches, calling him their Messiah, everything changes. Betrayal and mob conspiracy lead to Jesus being taken into custody and charged with crimes he didn't commit, and then led away to his death. From the Last Supper at Passover, celebrating, laughing with Jesus, to the hill of Golgotha, watching him die, the disciples mourn their unspeakable loss and question everything they've learned over the last three years. Then the promise is fulfilled. Jesus returns from the grave after three days. 
Darkest Before Dawn is showing Sunday, April 17th through 20th at 7 p.m. nightly at the Embassy Theater at Glad Tidings. Admission is free. It's often easy to speak the truth to strangers from behind a keyboard. It gets harder when speaking truth comes with a cost. At this point, I cannot count the number of times MRC-TV has been suspended, demonetized, and had our audience reach decimated simply for speaking truth, for saying men are men and women are women, for declaring the humanity and intrinsic worth of unborn children, for questioning the pandemic science used by the government to justify destroying people's businesses, wrecking their lives, and inflicting a mental health crisis on our youth for reporting on stories like the Hunter Biden laptop, which literally got us and other right-leaning outlets banned from Twitter and YouTube back in 2020 because it would have hurt Biden's election chances, but which the New York Times just confirmed this weekend, nearly two years later, was actually true all along. This is the same story that one MRC poll found Biden voters hadn't heard before the election, with more than 9% saying that if they had, they would have changed their vote. Tech censorship of that one story changed a presidential election. Inflation goes up today. The president's statement blames the Putin price hike. Are you guys just going to start blaming Putin for everything? Until the midterms? Well, we've seen the price of gas go up at least 75 cents since President Putin lined up troops on the border of Ukraine. The White House keeps telling us prices are going to come down. They're going to come down. But... That was before the war in Ukraine. Yeah. And when the price of gas goes up, the price of everything goes up. Absolutely. And, and last month, the statement didn't mention the Putin price hike. It mentioned inflation because of the pandemic. Why is that? Lies. Oh, lies! This is not good, guys. This is not good. Biden's approval numbers are tanking, okay? We've got inflation, high gas prices, empty grocery shelves, pending cyber attacks, and the potential of nuclear war. I... <laughs> so we gotta flip this thing, we gotta flip this, and that's why I've gathered you guys here. We need to come up with a strategy. So I... I've got an idea. I've got an idea. I, uh, I'm thinking we blame everything on Putin. Just we, we, we blame it on Putin and, uh, and just roll with it. Just, just go with it. Thoughts. Anybody, anybody have any thoughts? Yes. Karen. Uh, yeah. Oh, we were dealing with uh, empty grocery shelves and high gas prices and uh, inflation be before Putin invaded Ukraine. So I, I... The American people are pretty stupid, Karen, okay? And the media will help us with this, so... But yes, but, but people could easily look up the information for themselves and they would find that this was happening before the situation in Ukraine. So I'm just... Just saying that. I Karen, we've got midterms around the corner, okay? And I think the Putin idea is a pretty good one. Anything that's terrible, anything that, that, that's not going right is going to be blamed on Putin. And if anybody calls us out on it, we'll just call him a Putin puppet. But I, I just think that the people would figure it out. Uh, I mean, Karen, are you a Putin puppet? Huh? Are you, are you a friend of Putin? Huh? Are you? 
no, no, I, I'm not, not, no, uh, no, I, I'm trying to help come up with a, a strategy. I Get out of my office, Karen. Get out of my office. I knew you were a Putin puppet. Okay, I knew it. I, 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 I'm not. I, I'm, I'm, I, I, I said, get out. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. Actor Alyssa Milano recently spoke on a podcast about having two abortions in one year in her 20s. She said she felt ill-equipped to be a mother. The abortions, she said, were not something she wanted, but something she needed. Many women believe the lie that they can't have children and a successful career. Later, Milano admitted she felt her miscarriages that followed were punishment for the abortions. She also lived in fear that something bad would happen to her two living children because of the abortions. These are classic responses to abortion by both mothers and fathers. The abortion industry doesn't help women choose life and motherhood because there's no money in it. As long as abortion reaps huge financial gains, women like Milano will be victimized. For more information, visit our website at lifeissues.org. And stay informed, more informed than you've ever been. I hear the train coming, it's rolling around the bend. And I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when. I'm stuck in Folsom Prison, and time keeps dragging on. But that train keeps rolling on down to San Antonio. When I was just a baby, my mama told me, son, always be a good boy, don't ever play with guns. But I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. Welcome back, or maybe I should welcome myself back since you've been paying attention. I want to mention a friend of mine. I, you know, we've been, uh, I attend church and, uh, uh, I've been doing that. I wasn't raised that way, but I got converted many, many years ago, almost 50 years ago around, uh, out of the drug scene. And I made some poor choices coming out of high school. And, uh, and, uh, our family wasn't a spiritual oriented family. Didn't know anything about God. And they taught me in school, like they teach kids today, propaganda. Like I came from a monkey that they would have taught global warming, which is another bunch of nonsense, and now critical race theory, which is a bunch of nonsense. All this, they, they just teach propaganda in school, so I that's all I knew. And But the cool thing, out of the drug scene, although I lost a few years of my life, I got converted. So um, anyway, I've had the pleasure of doing working with some really cool people over the years and, uh, and uh, getting involved in things all the way around the world and helping people and, and doing cool stuff. So uh, we've been encouraging people to church of glad tidings uh, to, and, and like some people call church of glad tidings, a cult. And you think, Oh my goodness, that's terrible. Actually, they did that back before church of glad tidings. When, when we started taking in people off the streets in 1972 and uh, they called us a cult then too. Actually, I, I feel pretty comfortable about it because it actually means we're actually doing something. So, uh, Anyway, we've been encouraging people during COVID. Uh, we need to take back our government because our government turned against us. In, in Yuba, I'm, I'm talking about Yuba Sutter counties. Now, I don't, I don't. Obviously, I don't know who all is listening to this particular uh, show, but you may have that feeling too. Or if you really think about it, uh, if you lost your business, lost your job, lost your schooling. Uh, being forced to wear a mask, being forced to stand apart, being forced to do this, forced to do that, stay home. 
uh, your your government that you elected turned against you. And so we uh, at Glad Tidings refused to close our doors. And we thought in a crisis, the church needs to be open and to take people in, whether they're sick with this supposed COVID thing or not, or traumatized from their business, losing their businesses. And we did what we could to support people going through the trauma of not COVID. The trauma came from the government. And I'm going to talk about that in, a, in maybe next next segment. The trauma came from the government. The, the, tra- the government killed people. The government policies killed people. Government policies ruined businesses. I, I remember one of the first businesses I talked to was in, uh, a, a kid's activity place in, in Yuba City, and, they, and they, they were forced to shut down, and they went bankrupt. And, uh, and I remember talking to the, the female uh, half of the ownership, a married couple owned it, and, and trying to convince her to uh, it, say, hey, let, let us help you. And she said, it's, there's not enough help available. We're, we're broke. It's over. And uh, so we, we began to encourage people in our congregation and even people other than our congregation to run for office because we need different people in office. We found, you know, anybody can, can manage a ship in the harbor. It takes somebody else to manage a ship when you're out there and the waves are rough outside the harbor. And we realized that we had just safe harbor type leaders they had no idea how to manage uh, manage the government, and all they did is just they just turned into Nazis, and they just took orders from the commandant up the up the up the ladder, and uh, the the very people they begged and took donations from and begged to vote for them, they they turned against them. Our supervisors turned against their constituents. Our city council turned against their constituents. So we encourage people to run. One of the people that uh, there's a few people running that I'm interested in seeing elected. One is Eric Malo. Uh, I, I don't have all their websites. Eric Malo, M-A-L-L-O-W. He's running in uh, against Andy Vasquez in the first, I think it's first district uh, in Linda in Yuba County. The other one is uh, Tambra Courtright, <clears throat> who I've known for about 10 years. I've known Eric a few years and I've known his wife longer. Before they got married, I, I've known her longer, Sandra. They're one, Sandra, they, she's actually got the same name as my sister. They pronounce it Sandra, not Sandra. Sandra, and they're a very fine couple. He's a hardworking and an and a, a activist, Eric Malo. And uh, he's running for uh, in, in Yuba County as a supervisor. Tambra Courtright is running for county court clerk in Yuba County because the county court, the county clerk, I shouldn't say court clerk. It's the county clerk, the elections clerk, the clerk. Uh, 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 Terry Hansen is retiring or did retire. And so Tambor Courtright's running for that position. And then uh, my friend Courtney Allen, used to be Allen, but it's now Ortega. She just got married about a little over a year ago and now has her first child. Uh, by birth, she married a fellow with, with a child, and they have two children, and she's running for office. She used to be in the state of Oregon. She grew up up there and went to college up there, graduated from college, worked as a lobbyist for the uh, college at, in the legislature, and was involved up there in that, then moved over to Hawaii and had her own business over there and did some missions work and did all kinds of things. You can read about her at Elect Courtney Ortega. C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y, Ortega, 
Facebook.com. Elect Courtney Ortega. You can read all about her life. And this is her first time running for office. She's a very sharp lady. She's been actually working to get the supervisors and city council meetings opened in the Yuba Sutter area. And she started a, um, an organization called freedomco.net or freedom coalition network, which was an organization, multi-county organization in Northern California to help people uh, stand up against the illegal mandates. Do you realize that the mandates were anti-constitutional or unconstitutional and they were illegal? And uh, she stood up and organized leaders from various counties. And you can see all the counties listed on that freedomco.net website. And she helped organize that with a group of people in the Yuba Sutter area. And then now uh, it is being shared uh, or replicated throughout Northern California as a model for activism. And that's exactly what the founding fathers wanted. They wanted uh, activist citizenry not passive, not couch potatoes. So Courtney uh, Ortega is running against uh, a fellow named Dan Flores, who has been uh, a supervisor. He's the incumbent. And Dan, if if one thing stood out about Dan is he's self-serving. You know, some people decide that politics is a way to benefit themselves. Our founding fathers did not take that attitude. In fact, some of them were so uh, tight on money, they had to get help to get to the Continental Congress. But they did not believe even in paying people that are serving uh, in your midst. They believe people ought to serve for free. And so other people have got into politics because they can. They see that's going to be a place to leverage and to make uh, make a lot of money, make millions of dollars. And that would be Dan Flores. He got into business. He's a businessman and he's always t- looking for the advantages. I don't have any problem with capitalism or people looking for advantages to Im- improve their lot in life. I don't think they could, u- should use politics to do that, to line their pockets. That would be Dan Flores. So one of the things that stood out to me early on, I always was concerned about him, but when I saw that he went on this uh, committee, in the Yuba Sutter area to uh, to approve low interest loans to businesses, which I don't even like that. Uh, government shouldn't be in that business to choose pick and choose favorites. But he and his uh, campaign chairman, uh, chairwoman, or not actually, I should call her a uh, marketing gal, Crystal uh, Martin. I call her uh, Joseph Goebel. She's the propaganda gal in Yuban Sutter County for taking the jab. So back in the day, he and Crystal Martin went on the uh, the committee to approve low interest loans. Uh, I believe they're SBA, Small Business Administration loans, to local places. And both of them turned around because they are both in business and applied for some of these loans while they're on on the commission. Now, it's interesting because I, I copied a letter from John Garamendi, who is currently our congressman. He's a he's a liberal. And he wrote a, a letter uh, to one of the other department heads in the United States government asking for some money for mental health and drug drug abuse and all that kind of stuff. And at the bottom of it, he, he made a statement at, at the bottom of the letter saying that he had no 
a person there was no personal benefit not none of the money he was asking for about a million dollars and that he was not going to personally benefit he was swearing he was not going to be personally benefiting from any of the money that he was asking for for his home area now dan flores and crystal martin both uh tried to get money out of this committee and it took state attorneys to come in and tell them that's illegal. If you're going to be on the board, you cannot benefit, self-benefit, or self-deal. That's called self-dealing. It's like the, the dealer at, at Blackjack in your casinos dipping into the pile of chips himself. And so when they told them they couldn't get a loan from this Small Business Association Committee, Economic Development Committee, they both stepped down off the board showing their real motives that they really wanted to get the money. Then after they stepped down off the board, then they applied again for the money. And the attorneys had to tell them again, you cannot get the money until you stay off the board for one year. Now, listen, people, uh, you see the motives. What we need is a new breed of elected officials. And that is people that are selfless, that are going to serve the community and be honest and not cut deals behind the scenes. You know, I, I constantly hear so-and-so is going to, is willing to do this. So-and-so is willing to, and I'm not anti-marijuana growing hemp for CBDs or all that, but it's like somebody made a deal with supposedly Jim Whitaker when he was on the board, he's going to get so many thousands of dollars a month, supposedly if he'll pass all this stuff so they can farm, uh, hemp, you know, it's just, it's corrupt. We live in a corrupt situation. Now, it, and you, we always point to Sacramento or it, the federal government. We have it right here in our backyard in our Yuba Sutter area. And you may have it in your area as well, uh, wherever you all live in. And, and you may not, maybe if you're new because you just moved over there from California, you're a refugee, you don't know the names and the people and the places and the businesses and the connections and all the uh, foolishness. And backdoor deals and corrupt stuff that America has become uh, synonymous with. I used to, when I used to travel to Vietnam, I'd just go to foreign countries and do work. Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam, uh, you know, India, uh, Russia, all over the place. And I would come back and i think, man, it's corrupt over there. And I used to think things were pretty tidy here. And I honestly, I, you know, this is back 30 years ago when I started doing that. And uh, it, it's corrupt here. There may, it's just more, a little bit more sophisticated. But we need to remove people and get, we need fresh faces. We need fresh horses. And we need to, and, and I, I'm not saying everybody we vote in is going to work out. You know, if they, we vote them in and they don't perform, we should throw them out. I don't think any supervisor who voted to close our community should stay in office. I don't care whether they're your friend or you go on Hawaiian vacations together, or you're, they're married to your sister, <laughs> you know? It's like, hey, uh, they're corrupt. They did, not, they did not uphold their oath of office. And there's provisions in the insurance policies of these politicians to throw them out of office and to collect on their insurance money if they do not uphold their oath of office. So if you go to elect Courtney, Ortega.com. You could also donate some money to her. She's going to be having some fundraisers. In fact, last night uh, there was a uh, meet and greet, I think, at Gaucher Park in Yuba City. But if you want a, a new support, a new candidate, send her some money and help her. She's new married. She got married about a year or so ago, and then now she has a new baby. She's going to, she's, she's 
doing what she thinks God wants her to do. We need Christian people. And I'm not just saying we need Christian people. We need all kinds of people that are honest and conservative. What do I mean by conservative? I mean people that believe in the Constitution and don't believe it's a living document that can be changed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you a quote here in a minute by Chris Ann Hall. We need people that are going to support the Constitution and take their oath of office seriously. Now, if you wonder, wow, I've taken the oath of office and I thought I was taking it seriously. Really? You need to go attend the... Uh, the April 2nd event at Glad Tidings and, and dial that in uh, or get on uh, Chris Ann Hall's uh, online teaching and find out what the oath of office is and what it's about and defend the Constitution. So um, let me get down here. I'm going to read, read her this quote. This is a Liberty First. Oh, she she changed her name to, from Liberty First uh, University. Somebody probably said you're gonna, they're going to sue her. So it's libertyfirstsociety.com now, okay? Liberty First Society. This is what she says. The Constitution is the foundation and standard for a limited and defined government. We do not have a limited government today, and we do not have a defined government. It has been usurped. It has been overtaken. Next paragraph, she says, The Constitution no more a living is no more a living, breathing document than the foundation of your home is made of quicksand. Let me just say that again. The Constitution is no more a living, breathing document than the foundation of your home is made of quicksand. We would be crazy to build our house, as the Bible says, built our house on sand as opposed to on the rock. So anyway, come and come and check out. We need to elect new new representatives. And I'm not just I'm just. The, the thing that amazes me is we keep sending the same people back to office that that are in charge of destroying our country, including our rhino Republicans. The the it, it's a misnomer. It's it's like a it's an abuse of the word Republican to call these people Republican that are down here in Sacramento today. They are not. They're just a different flavor of liberal. So uh, okay. This, I, I, I cut this quote out by Aristotle. He says, the worst form of inequality. You, you, you think people ought to be equal? Everything ought to be equal, do you? Some of the woke thought is that everybody ought to have just the same. That would be communism. And even in communism, as long as I've, been, I've spent more time in communist countries than any other countries I've gone to. There is no, any, there is no equality in communist countries. I'll tell you that there's corruption there's every form of corruption and evil in communist countries there is right here these aristotle said the worst form of inequality is to try to make unequal things equal that's exactly what the liberals are doing in this country trying to make unequal things equal now when the the uh the the bible and the constitution suggested that we are all valued by god and that in the Constitution says we have an opportunity. We have great opportunity. But the Constitution never guaranteed equal outcomes. You go to school with a I, I've, I've gone to, you know, I've, I've seen the outcome of the kids. I went all the way through a lot of the kids. I went all the way from K through 12. Some kids came and went. 
Uh, but some kids I watch go all the way K through 12, and then we all split up and went different ways. Some people went to military, college, whatever. And I've seen some people made lots and lots and lots of money. And other people didn't make hardly any money at all. Other people uh, squandered their life, right? I'm not blaming that on the government. The, the outcomes were unequal. Some people were very successful, have lots of money, and, and or they, they retired or they inherited businesses and they, et cetera, et cetera. The fact is we, we had all, all the opportunity in the world in this country. In fact, I've just been working with some uh, uh, Afghan refugees that came in to Sacramento Airport on February 1st, and we have been working to settle them, five adults, three in their 20s, and two older uh, parents. And uh, it has been interesting to help them understand America and all the cultural uh, uh, twists of America compared to where they came from and try to help them understand the opportunity that we still have with all the government overreach in this country. And uh, it it has been fascinating. And the fact is, there's still a huge opportunity if you want to work at it. And it's interesting to me to note that many of the people that are working hardest at it are the people that are brand new to this country because they had no opportunity where they were from. People in Vietnam, I, I, I remember one of the early days of me going to Vietnam and I had a lady, I ate at a restaurant up in Hoi An, right on the coast of Vietnam, uh, Hoi An, a beautiful city. And I was at a little restaurant and she came up to me, the, the owner, and said, uh, sat down and I was eating there and she said, you like the food? I said, yeah. And she said, oh, I'm, I'm glad I own this restaurant. I said, man, you've done a wonderful job here. And she said, yeah, but I don't make any money. I work really hard. Da, da, da. I can't make it. She said, would you marry me? And I thought you, you got to be crazy girl, but it was totally logical to her because she said she wanted to come to, she didn't want me. She wanted to come to this country. And she said, I will do anything in your country. I will clean toilets. I will clean floors. I will do anything. I just want the opportunity. And that's what, unfortunately, a lot of Americans have lost that vision. We'll be right back and start our third segment in a minute. Let's take us all back to the election. Trump was doing the YMCA dance. Biden couldn't even spell YMCA. Amy Coney Barrett sailing through and warp speed was just around the corner. Then of course you remember the October surprise. The New York Post aired Hunter Biden's dirtiest laundry thanks to his laptop from hell abandoned at a repair shop in Delaware. Now if you were watching this channel, you heard a lot about it. That was news. But if you were listening to the mainstream media's Russian-style propaganda, courtesy of the Biden campaign, you were watching the biggest disinformation campaign almost in American history. On day one, when the New York Post broke the story, journalists around the country swooped in to debunk the laptop and all of the secrets that lurked inside. They labeled it Russian disinformation, Fake news. Articles like this were surfacing all over. The truth behind the Hunter Biden's (laughs) non-scandal. Jen Psaki was quick to pull the trigger at the time. She said, quote, the Hunter Biden story is Russian disinformation. They all sounded like parrots. 
annoying us with the same talking points. Even CIA officials put out a letter claiming this couldn't be true. <laughs> Who asked the CIA anyway? Anyone that reported on the laptop or its contents was spreading disinformation, and they were censored in America, not Russia. Think about that. They even kicked the post off Twitter, the country's oldest newspaper. They conspired and they lied. Even Hunter grabbed a mop and helped with the cleanup job. Was that your laptop? For real, I don't know. I know, but, but you know that's, is, this is I really don't know okay. if the answer is. That's you don't know yes or no if the laptop was yours. I don't have any yours. idea. I have no idea. So it could have been yours. Of course, certainly. It, 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 there could be a laptop out there that was stolen from me. There could be that I was hacked. It could be that it was, the, that it was Russian intelligence. <laughs> the disinformation campaign was a huge success. Polls showing that one in six Biden voters would have changed their votes if they had known about the laptop. So if you went through all of that, you'd be pretty surprised today when you opened up the New York Times and peeled it open all the way back to page 20 to see this headline. Quote, Hunter Biden paid tax bill, but broad federal investigation continues. Is this the first time they've mentioned the investigation into Hunter's sketchy business deals? The Times reports that this all started off with a tax audit under the Obama-Biden administration. <laughs> and then it soon turned criminal when his dad was running for president. So you're telling me that the Obama-Biden administration started looking into Biden's son's taxes and Biden's son never said anything to his dad about it? Like, hey, dad, why is your IRS auditing me? There's no way Joe didn't know. And then your father's running for president and the feds open up a criminal investigation into you for money laundering. And you don't pull your dad aside and say, hey, Pop, there's this little thing that may come up during the campaign. Not a huge deal, but I'm kind of under investigation. Of course, Hunter told Joe that. Joe knew the whole time the laptop was real. And so did the New York Times. Hidden? Deep inside that article was an admission, quote, those emails were obtained by the New York Times from a cache of files that appears to have come from a laptop abandoned by Mr. Biden in a Delaware repair shop. The email and others in the cache were authenticated by people familiar with them and with the investigation. So we were right about Hunter being paid three and a half million dollars by a Russian billionaire. So you're saying we were right about Hunter being given a three-carat diamond from a communist Chinese businessman? Three carats. It's a big rock. When a man gives another man a diamond, it's one of two things, an engagement or a bribe. Now, Hunter's into some weird stuff, so we'll call it an indecent proposal. We were right about the $50,000 a month he was making as a gas expert working for Burisma. And had Hunter arranged for his dad to meet with Burisma lobbyists before he fired the prosecutor? We were right about that. And if we're right about all of this, because the laptop has been proven real by the paper of record, then that must mean Joe Biden really is the big guy. And then it has 10% for the big guy held by H. I 1,000% sit here and know that the big guy is referencing Joe Biden. Um, it's, that's crystal clear to me because I lived it. 
And the big guy lied when he was running for president. Listen. Totally discredited. And by the way, well, wait, he talk, didn't get three no, and a no. half million dollars, Joe? Mr. Vice He got three Mr. and a half president. million dollars. That is not true. Oh, no, my job. son did nothing wrong at Burisma. I think he did. Mr. President, guy that let him answer. He doesn't want to let me answer because he knows I have the truth. His, his position has been totally, thoroughly discredited. By who? And you the credit, media. By everybody. Well, it's hard to get any word in with this clown. So Biden, the Democrats, the intelligence community, and big tech lied and spread dangerous misinformation to win an election. And it gets worse, if you can believe it. Joe was knee-deep in Hunter's finances, shared bank accounts, credit cards, paying each other's bills with dirty foreign money. The laptop and the emails confirm those accusations. He was allegedly cutting 10% here and there in exchange for secret meetings with sketchy Chinese businessmen at the White House while he was vice president. He took meetings at Cafe Milano in Washington, pretty good place, with some Ukrainians and Russians and Kazakhstani businessmen that Hunter was trying to strike up deals with. I met with the former vice president in person multiple times, and I had been meeting and talking with Hunter Biden and, and uh, Jim Biden and Rob Walker and James Gillier. Oh, the Biden brothers, too. And Joe didn't have a problem with any of this. Why would he? His family was getting filthy rich. Remember how smart Hunter Biden is? He's a grown man. He is the smartest man I know. I mean, in pretty pure intellectual capacity. Um, and, uh, and as long as he's good, we're good. Joe says Hunter is the smartest guy he knows. The smartest guy. Wow. Maybe that explains Afghanistan and the border and inflation and gas prices. Here's what happened when Jen Psaki was asked about this story today. The New York Times has authenticated emails that appear to have come from a laptop abandoned by Hunter Biden in Delaware. Um, the president previously said that the New York Post story about this was a bunch of garbage and that it was a Russian plant. Does he stand by that assessment? I've pointed the Department of Justice and also to Hunter Biden's representatives. He doesn't work in the government. Hunter doesn't work in government? <laughs> yes, he does. It's the family business. Hunter is the family lobbyist. Excuse me, Hunter is also a very talented painter. And if foreign agents want to spend quarter mil to buy influence, I mean a painting from the first family, well, the White House doesn't have a comment. If they do, it's probably just more disinformation. This might not be an easy time. There's rivers across and hills to climb. Some days we might fall apart. Some nights might feel cold and dark. But nobody wins afraid. All right. Uh, I I like uh, I have kind of my diet, I but I should I'm trying to figure out how to say this. You know, there's some foods you really like, you go back to over and over again. Intellectually, the food that I've thrived on is Thomas Sowell and Walter Williams, people like that. And uh, really love Tom Sowell, love to hear him talk, love to hear his way his brain works. Oh, Milton Friedman as well. 
Uh, Thomas sold books he's written. He just he's prolific. What a wonderful guy is Walter Williams just died about a year or so ago. Wonderful guy and huge benefit to the United States of America. He says, Thomas Sowell said, the worst kind of people to have in government. I want you to really listen to this and think about those people that are in your local uh, elected positions and and what kind of decisions did they make over the last couple of years. He said, the worst kind of people to have in government are those who see it as a golden opportunity to impose their superior, their own superior wisdom and virtue on others. Our government was not supposed to overlay their supposed, it's self-inflicted wisdom and virtue. You know, it's like they get full of themselves sitting in those big wide chairs They drink the Kool-Aid, to use a Jim Jones cliche. They drink the government Kool-Aid. And they think they are so big because they are making, they vote, 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 vote on paying bills, paying bills, paying bills, do this grant, hire this consultant, and they just think they are so smart. They are not. Just because they got elected doesn't mean they gained any intellectual acumen or their IQ went up. In fact, it could go down because they've left their conservative views behind in many cases. They still have the R after the name, but they can't tell you like they're making socialist decisions, like shutting down the entire community without giving anybody any due process or compensating anybody for the losses. Tom Sowell said the worst kind of people, the worst kind of people to have in government are those who see it as a golden opportunity to impose their own superior wisdom and virtue on others. That's what Dan Flores, who serves in as Sutter County Supervisors, when they had an opportunity to open the community up and take all the mandates off. In fact, just the other day, they were talking about Stanislaus County. I think it was just said, we're done with everything. We're done with all the mandates. It was one of those counties, one of the S counties in California. There's some nations I, I just saw where New Zealand just t- said, we're done. We're taking all the mandates off. And, and when there was an opportunity to do that right away here last year, Dan Flores stood against it in the Board of Supervisors. said, we're not going to take off the mandates. It's ridiculous. The mandates were illegal. They were unconstitutional. And you, they didn't cost Dan anything. It didn't cost a supervisor. They all got paid. You know, it's amazing. All the government people got paid to stay home. So the very people that were supposed to be benefited by government, that government was supposed to serve when they went to the offices to get help. In fact, I walked in one day to at at victim services in Sutter County because I was a speaker on a big Zoom meeting uh, regarding trauma. And and the uh, this this the the community services offices where they approve building permits and all that kind of stuff was closed due to COVID. It's like they paid all those people and closed. Why didn't they cut their salaries? Just like the private sector. Why would the government coddle their own people when the private sector couldn't couldn't earn any money? The supervisors didn't make any sacrifices. What kind of leadership is that where the supervisors wouldn't sacrifice their own salaries because thousands of people were losing their salaries? That's called evil, people. You think, oh, evil's Charlie Manson. No, no, no. It's a lot more than Charlie Manson killing people. 
Evil is stealing from your constituents. They stole from their constituents, people like Dan Flores. And, and it's amazing to me. Oh, yeah, we love Dan Flores. Fine, fine, love him. Until he steals from you. Steals from you. Shuts down the entire community and rips everybody off. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, there was a big danger. There wasn't a big danger. I'm going to talk about it in just a minute with Scott Atlas, and who's a lot brighter than anybody we got in this community in terms of public health. The other thing I want to mention... It, I, I got some clips today on this lady that's running that uh, been appointed to go to the Supreme Court. This gal is a lunatic. This gal is is off the hook crazy. And I'm tired of blacks talking like they just came out of slavery here 20 years ago. They were born in slavery or they're born in some crack alley or something like this. If they were involved in crack, blacks or whites or any flavor, that would be their own problem. It had nothing to do with racism. It had nothing to do with what happened to somebody, Kuta Kinte or somebody back in the day. Don't blame, don't blame slave, slavery on American whites. We, American white uh, business people did not bring black people from Africa. You just don't know your history. And it's amazing to me how many people won't won't be honest about the whole thing. Blacks had blacks. Blacks had blacks as slaves. Blacks uh, caught people in Africa, in the in some of the countries of Africa, and sent them over here. Blacks did. Muslims did. Not Christian white people. Did did white people have slaves? Yeah. So did so did uh, um, indigenous people had slaves. Did you know that? Indians over here had slaves as well. So to, to narrowly say, oh, yeah, it's a big problem. You know, it's amazing to me. You look in the 1800s, how many blacks were very successful in the 1800s? Well, how can that be when a black can't even be successful today? I know blacks today. They call me up that I knew from juvenile hall and or they get on Facebook and they want me to give them $20. I just it cracks me up. It's like somehow they're crippled. Did you know that the first black bank, do you know that you think, oh, I wonder with, you know, the the guys that run black entertainment TV, BET, B-E-T. Those are all, you know, nobody was making it successful until those boys and girls. The first black bank started in the 1840s. That's before slavery ended, people. Think about it. Reverend, it was put together by a Christian black guy, a pastor. His name's William Washington Brown. Brown was born in 1849 in Habersham County, Georgia, and escaped from slavery as a boy and traveled throughout the South. So, so with the Civil War, if it happened around the 1850s, it was the, the bank got put together after that. But he was born uh, during that slavery time, right? He later joined the Union Army. He traveled throughout the South. He joined the Union Army and he attained and he got his education, right? How did they, they do that back then? I thought none, nobody could do anything back then. You know, it's amazing. It, you know, it's amazing when you think that there were black regiments that fought against slavery in the Civil War. Well, how did that all happen if they were all under control of somebody else? Reverend William Washington Brown 
he was summoned to Richmond, Virginia, around 1881 by members of the temperance organization. You've never heard of the temperance organization. That was the anti-getting-high organization, the temperance organization. They were Christian women, usually, that were against, they were for sobriety, abstaining from liquor, because early United States was full of alcoholics. He was called by the members of the temperance organization, the true reformers, they were called, and subsequently, see, they were already reform in America, and it was in the 1800s. Now we're in the 2000s. It became one of the largest African-American fraternal and business enterprises in America called the true reformers. The seven true reformers made African-American businesses business history when in March of 1888, they received a charter from the state of Virginia to open the savings bank of the grand fountain of the United Order of True Reformers. They started the first black bank, basically, for that was owned. I mean, anybody could do business there, but it was owned by blacks. And there was another bank that started about the same time called the Capital Savings Bank of Washington, D.C. This is in the 1880s, people. And yet, oh, we got crack addicts in the 1980s that we're going to blame on something, something. Unbelievable. That woman, th- that woman is is what they call uh, has nothing to do with intellect. This gal is a communist and she's not smart. I mean, she's so overeducated. She just speaks stupid. She doesn't know what a woman is. Unbelievable. Friend of mine wrote this. I'm not going to use their name. Says some of, you know, this is, this is so amazing. I spent, two or three decades working with police and firefighters closely. And I think they're some of the best people in our communities. And what, what the government has done to them is beyond evil. She writes, as some of you know, this has been one of the most challenging seasons for our family. My husband has been in the fire service, first responder business for over 25 years and has dedicated his life to serving. He was on the front lines when the pandemic started and continued to do his duties with um, with proper PPE, without proper PPE even. As of October 12, 2021, he was considered an essential asset to the San Francisco Fire Department. But on October 13th, the next day, he was considered a threat due to not being injected. He was put on unpaid leave, then terminated last month. All medical and religious exemptions were denied by the San Francisco city of San Francisco. They let, uh, it was a department of 1700 employees. Now, not a lot of them, most of them took the jab. They would not accommodate the San Francisco would not accommodate testing. Even though, uh, people would volunteer to buy the tests themselves. See, it wasn't about health. It was about control and submission. The writer says San Francisco Fire Department had the biggest rate of positive COVID cases in 
in December, January, when the department was staffed with 100% vaccinated people. Now, this is what is criminal about this. It's staffed with 100% vaccinated. All the unvaccinated left. They got fired. But they had the highest rate of positive cases of COVID when they all got vaccinated. Now, that's a matter of public record. Now, that's just really sick. This is this is now up here in this area. My understanding is the emergency responders were given. They were not mandated to get vaccinated. But in places like, I believe, L.A., San Francisco, more liberal metropolitan areas, they threw down. And uh, people are losing their jobs. I want to read this. I, I like this. It's advice from an old hillbilly. He says, your fences need to be horse high, pig tight and bull strong. Keep skunks, bankers and politicians at a distance. Life is simpler when you plow around the stump. A bumblebee is considerably faster than a John Deere tractor. Words that soak into your ears are whispered, not yelled. The best sermons are lived, not preached. Forgive your enemies. It's what God says to do. If you don't take the time to do it right, you'll find the time to do it twice. Don't corner some something that is meaner than you. Don't pick a fight with an old man. If he's too old to fight, he'll just kill you. It don't take a very big person to carry a a grudge. You cannot unsay a cruel word. Every path has a few puddles. When you waller with pigs, expect to get dirty. Don't be banging your shin on a stool that's not in your way. Borrowing trouble from the future doesn't deplete the supply. Most of the stuff people worry about ain't never going to happen anyway. Don't judge, judge folks by their relatives. Silence is sometimes the best answer. Don't interfere with something that ain't bothering you none. Timing has a lot to do with the outcome of a rain dance. If you find yourself in a hole, the first thing to do is stop digging. Sometimes you get and sometimes you get got. The biggest troublemaker you'll ever have to deal with watches you from the mirror every morning. Always drink upstream from the herd. Good judgment comes from experience, and most of that comes from bad judgment. Letting the cat out of the bag is a whole lot easier than putting it back in. If you if you get to thinking you're a person of some influence, try ordering somebody else's dog around. Live a good, honorable life. Then when you get older and think back, you'll enjoy it a second time. Live simply, live generously, care deeply, speak kindly, leave the rest to God. Most times, it just gets down to some common sense. I wanted to uh, mention a few few people that make this happen. You know, I every once in a while, I I think I mentioned this last week, a fellow that uh, I knew over 40 years ago. In fact, somebody just sent, Dave Greenitz of Greenitz Construction just sent me a photo that uh, is uh, 50 years old of me at the beginning of Morningstar Ranch when we took in people off the streets. That was before he even got there. And uh, it, it brought me uh, a lot of memories back. There was uh, three people in that photo. I was just standing. Uh, somebody I didn't even know I was, I was getting my picture taken. And uh, But one of the uh, guys that lived up there with us for a time, now lives in Arizona, sent us to check. And it was such so encouraging to get uh, some help just spontaneously because we don't really ask for help on the show. But uh, but we have some people that have come alongside us here to make the show uh, possible. 
And uh, we started it with, with zero, and we didn't ever ask. It just people said, hey, do you need some help over there? And we said, yeah, you can help if you want. So uh, the people, I have a relationship with the people that are helping us. In fact, one of them, I had to get a little tune-up on my eyes uh, recently, and one of them, uh, Nellie Garcia, drove me up to the hospital and get worked on and uh, fetch me up from up there. And uh, so uh, same with Dave Green. It's, we're working on this E Street project together. Some of you people have been getting interested. I got a call saying, where is that E Street project? Anyway, we can't find it. And thinking, I was telling, wondering if, if I had it all dialed in right. So, uh, by the way, we just painted that building. We put it uh, Swift Coffee. It's called Swift Swiss Coffee. It's a white color, but it's a creamy white. And we put the base coat on it this week. It is so pretty. It's like nice. We're going to, and people thought we were Okies because we sprayed right over the windows. Think, like, hey, 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 you professional supposed to like mask those windows off. And, you know, we're out foxing them. So we sprayed right over the windows. I'm not going to tell you the answer. But uh, anyway, we got that part done. We're going to be doing some other work here in the next week or so. But one of the guys that helps us on that, Dave Granite's Construction, I just on the phone with him a couple hours ago, and I said, Dave, we need to pick out some cool lighting to change out some of the old lighting on the exterior of the building. He was giving me some advice. But uh, Greg Davey, who did the painting, Greg Davey, construct, uh, Greg Davey Painting, D-A-V-E-Y, did the painting, and uh, I was telling Dave Granite's what co color it was. He said, oh, man, we use that Swiss coffee color on a lot of our kitchens and baths. It's just a really creamy, rich-looking uh, off-white, and uh, that's what we did this. And so, anyway, Granite's Construction, if you want to get your— uh, he uses a lot of the people we're working on this place with because they're quality contractors, and uh, if you want to get your bath or kitchen done right— you can talk to Dave Greenitz at greenitzconstruction.com or Dave Greenitz Facebook page, Dave Greenitz Construction Facebook. You can look on those sites and see before and after. It's shocking how amazing these uh, projects are and how beautiful they are. They're just works. Actually, they're a work of art in my view. And uh, I just, they, uh, they're showstoppers. So you can reach him off those two sites, greenitzconstruction.com. That's green with E-T-Z on the end, or Dave Greenitz Construction uh, Facebook. And you could dial him up, old school, at 530-682-9602. So Dave Greenitz and the guy guy down in Arizona that helped us, all these guys kind of had the same notion. We Here we are in uh, at, our, at the end of our lives, and we have the same notion that we better stand up if we, we want our kids and uh, we want the folks come along afterwards, whether we have kids or not, to have the same kind of life we had back in the day when we were youngsters. The other person that's helping us is the plumbing doctor, Ted Holmes. He's kind of uh, coordinating this E Street project, rehabbing this 100-year-old building. And uh, he's running, he, he runs a number of businesses, construction, and then the plumbing doctor is uh, a bunch of plumbers and numerous trucks around the area, Yuba Sutter counties. And you can reach out to them 24 hours a day for help, 530-671-9111 if you have some plumbing needs. So we're coming up to a break here. We're going to come up to the halfway point of the show. Catch you in just a couple of minutes.
What's with the $400 rebate idea? I'm Randy Thomason with your SaveCalifornia.com Minute. The plan of nine Democrat state legislators to give Californians a rebate of $400 is suspicious. These same Democrats rejected the Republicans' gas tax repeal bill, and these checks won't lower your gas prices since they'd go to every taxpayer, including non-drivers and illegals. Foolish Democrat policies drive up the price of gas, cause widespread pain at the pump, and now they're running for cover. But Democrat politicians hate tax cuts, so instead they've cooked up a way to curry votes this election year. Will money make you forget the terrible harm tyrannical Democrat politicians have done to you? If they send you a check, my advice is take back your money without thanking the thieves, the Democrat tax and spenders. SaveCalifornia.com, championing your values in California. Can anyone please explain why Kentaji Jackson is up for SCOTUS? Thanks to Senator Hawley, now we all know about her lenient sentences for consumers of child pornography. And not just once. She handed down the minimum sentence in at least seven different cases. U.S. versus Hawkins, U.S. versus Stewart, U.S. versus Cooper, U.S. versus Chazen, U.S. versus Downs, U.S. versus Sears, and U.S. versus Savage. In the Cooper case, she told the defendant that she was, quote, viewing sex acts between children that are not much younger than you. What? The children being abused in the material he collected were eight. Jackson gave Cooper a three-month sentence for child pornography. Let that sink in. Can you trust her judgment on anything? Can anyone? When questioned, Jackson said that the guidelines were outdated and didn't keep up with technology. As if any of that mattered, in each of the seven cases, the defendants had been tried, evidence had been provided, and a jury found them guilty. Why wasn't that enough? Why didn't she give these child predators the max sentence? Ah, because they were consumers and not creators. But isn't it the same thing? It's the consumers that drive the abuse. She claims that her priority in these cases is, quote, to make sure that the children's perspective, the children's voices are represented in my sentencing. Really? This is called gaslighting. It's bull and we all know it. What sort of judge wouldn't protect children? What sort of woman? What sort of mother? And why are we even talking about this? Why is this woman being considered for the highest court in the nation? There's a ton of distractions going on to keep us from focusing on what's going on right here in the US. Don't let them get away with it. Keep your eyes on what matters the most, the home front. God bless America. The similarity in underlying assumptions between the various totalitarian movements and the democratic left was openly recognized by leaders of the left themselves in democratic countries during the 1920s when Mussolini was widely lionized by intellectuals in the Western democracies, and even Hitler had his admirers among prominent intellectuals on the left. It was only as the 1930s unfolded that Mussolini's invasion of Ethiopia and Hitler's violent anti-Semitism at home and military aggression abroad made these totalitarian systems international pariahs that they were repudiated by the left and were thereafter depicted as being on the right. During the 1920s, however, radical writer Lincoln Steffens wrote positively about Mussolini's fascism, as he had more famously written positively about Soviet communism. Nor was he the only prominent American radical or progressive to do so. As late as 1932, famed novelist and Fabian socialist H.G. Wells urged students at Oxford to be liberal fascists and enlightened Nazis. Historian Charles Beard was among Mussolini's apologists in the Western democracies, as was the New Republic magazine. The poet Wallace Stevens even justified Mussolini's invasion of Ethiopia. 
W.E.B. Du Bois was so intrigued by the Nazi movement in the 1920s that he put swastikas on the covers of a magazine he edited, despite protests from Jews. Even though Du Bois was conflicted by the Nazis' anti-Semitism, he said in the 1930s that creation of the Nazi dictatorship had been absolutely necessary to get the state in order in Germany, and in a speech in Harlem in 1937, he declared that there is today, in some respects, more democracy in Germany than there has been in years past. More revealing, Du Bois saw the Nazis as part of the political left. In 1936, he said, Germany today is, next to Russia, the greatest exemplar of Marxian socialism in the world. The heterogeneity of those later lumped together as the right has allowed those on the left to dump into that grab-bag category many who espouse some version of the vision of the left, but whose other characteristics make them an embarrassment to be repudiated. Thus, the popular 1930s American radio personality, Father Coughlin, who was, among other things, an anti-Semite, has been verbally banished to the right, even though he advocated so many of the policies that became part of the New Deal that many congressional Democrats at one time publicly praised him, and some progressives urged President Franklin D. Roosevelt to make him a cabinet member. During this early period, it was common on the left, as well as elsewhere, to compare as kindred experiments fascism in Italy, communism in the Soviet Union, and the New Deal in the United States. Such comparisons were later as completely rejected as the inclusion of Father Coughlin as a figure of the left was. These arbitrary changes in classifications not only allowed the left to distance themselves from embarrassing individuals and groups whose underlying assumptions and conclusions bore many similarities to their own, these classification changes also allowed the left to verbally transfer these embarrassments to their political opponents. Moreover, such changes in nomenclature greatly reduced the likelihood that observers would see the negative potential of the ideas and agendas being put forth by the left in its bid for influence or power. The kinds of concentrations of government power sought by the left may be proclaimed to be in the service of various sorts of lofty goals, but such concentrations of power also offer opportunities for all sorts of abuses, ranging up to mass murder, as Hitler, Stalin, Mao, and Pol Pot demonstrated. These leaders did not have a tragic vision of man, such as that underlying what is called conservative thought in America today. It was precisely these dictators' presumptions of their own vastly greater knowledge and wisdom than that of ordinary people, which led to such staggering tragedies for others. Generally, I'm a trusting person. I meet people. I extend like most people do. Unless you've been really been hurt a lot in your life, you don't trust anybody. I trust people. I give them the benefit of the doubt. So when politicians or, or uh, people that they say are the smartest people in the country, like Fauci and Burks and, and all these people that stood up, uh, Redfield, I think his name is, head of the CDC, and they started saying this and that about this and that about the COVID, I gave them the benefit of the doubt and just trusted and listened to every word very carefully. But um, uh, obviously, it's all uh, a fraud at this time and criminal activity. So one of the guys that began to expose, uh, well, there were lots of people throughout the country, key medical people that began to raise a flag saying foul. 
And one of them was a guy named Dr. Scott Atlas, who uh, was not only a medical doctor, but also a uh, professor at the Stanford University in Palo Alto, California. And Scott Atlas, once he was uh, tapped to help back there, and I mean with the Trump administration, to come on that COVID committee and offer help uh, as a special advisor uh, regarding the pandemic— uh, he began to see that there was corruption in in the very group, and a guy, you know, Mike, uh, Mike Pence, who was a traitor uh, and was vice president at that time, was actually corrupt himself. And uh, I, I don't have time to go into his story, but anyway, I want to talk about Dr. Scott Atlas. There's a great article by uh, Harry Lee and and Jan Jakelik. It's about it's an interview with Scott Atlas. And I want to talk about this because Scott Atlas is one of the leaders in public health in this country and actually taught that at uh, at Stanford University and also taught in the radiology department. But he's known as an expert of uh, public health. And so he has been very critical and says basically that the government did more damage to the American people than COVID ever could. And he said the restrictive policies in response to COVID-19 pandemic have largely been a failure and we need accountability for those destructive. He calls them destructive measures. So he said, uh, said we had uh, we have I'm going to quote extensively here because I'm just not going to ramble on. I'm going to I'm going to give you some hard facts at, that should uh, shake you to the core if you care about this country. We said we have 900,000 plus Americans who've died from COVID, according to the categorization, millions of these families destroyed, yet the same people are in charge after after they created all this trouble. I don't understand how that could possibly happen. In other words, in business, if you had people that do really bad things, they get fired uh, or they're forced to be fired. According to the data from the Centers of Disease Control, as of March 22, the COVID-19 mortality in the United States is 973,220, the highest number in the world. Now, I want to also say this as an asterisk that they just dropped that by about 70-some thousand because they claim they're now backing down and saying we categorized a lot of deaths as COVID that weren't really COVID deaths, okay? But what, what Atlas is arguing, he said, we had some of the most punitive, restrictive, and egregious uh, trouble and lockdowns of anywhere in the world, yet we had the worst results. And nobody's holding anybody accountable. said, when we see the proof, when the proof comes in, it's very difficult to proceed without having the accountability and public airing to the, to the public, to know that those strategies were absolutely wrong. It is to be admitted and there has to be accountability and we can never restore trust in these various agencies. What agencies? The CDC, the National Institute of Health, the World Health Organization, all these, and even restore trust in science itself. Because when you say it, it's follow the science, it isn't the science at all. They, they didn't follow the science. Atlas cited a few studies showing that lockdowns don't work. He says a spring 2021 study by Christian Bjorn, Bjornskoff analyzed 24 countries and concluded lockdowns did not reduce the deaths compared to no lockdowns. Uh, the a January 2021 study by Stanford professor Aaron Ben David 
and colleagues showed that severe lockdowns did not reduce the spread of the infection. A June 2021 study by the National Bureau of Economic Research analyzed 43 countries and 50 U.S. states and found that lockdowns increased. Did you hear me? That lockdowns increased the excess deaths. When the lockdowns were implemented, Atlas said, the deaths actually started to go up after they were coming down. Uh, And that's true in the United States as well. In other words, they were coming down elsewhere and they were going up in the United States. So when you're talking about how many people died over a non-pandemic year, the excess deaths increased from the lockdowns. Lockdowns, Atlas says, killed people. According to the CDC, excess deaths are typically defined as the difference between the observed numbers of deaths in a specific time period, like any old year, and expected numbers of deaths in the same time periods. The agency said estimated excess deaths could provide information about the burden of mortality potentially related to the COVID-19. So in other words, you have have one year, no COVID, and you have 1,000 deaths, and then you have COVID, and then you have 1,200 deaths, right? You think, oh, COVID caused an increase. So Atlas goes on, he he mentions the January 2022 Johns Hopkins study, which found that lockdowns only reduce mortality by 0.2 tenths of 1% on average. Such such a standard benefit-cost calculation leads to a strong conclusion. What is that conclusion? Lockdowns should be rejected out of hand as as a pandemic policy instrument because they killed more people than they saved. That's what he's saying. The biggest sin of the management of COVID, according to Atlas, was the closure of our schools, adding that school closures caused spikes of suicide attempts, psychological damage, and physical issues among children and young people. It's also most harmful and inexplicable to inject young children with an experimental vaccine for a disease they do not have a significant risk to die from or get sick from. Atlas, when I, for you and you, Besutter, who have been ruled over by Dr. Death, this, this ought to catch your attention. This is not Lou Benninger just dreaming after eating pizza some night. This is Scott Atlas, one of the top educators in our country on our national health, public health. Atlas goes on to say that those who own the results of these policies, who is going to actually take ownership of these policies, people? Is Dr. Death, are the supervisors of Eubin Sutter County going to take ownership of these policies? Oh, no. Well, we are just doing what we're told. Please just go ahead and say that so we can get you on record. Please, 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 supervisors, tell us that so we can get you on record of being brainless and just robots. I think we could do better with monkeys up there behind the, the dais. He says, who's going to own the results of these policies? Were, uh, were governors implementing lockdowns and those who could advise these governors, the three most influential doctors on then White House Corona Task Force? Who are they? Here's some that, that could influence or take ownership. Deborah Burks, B-I-R-X, then White House Coronavirus Response Coordinator, Dr. Anthony Fauci, Director of National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, and Dr. Robert Redfield, then Director of the CDC. He said they had, they had got what they wanted. They advised that. In other words, they got away with, they did, everybody did exactly what they said. 
Atlas says with a, it says with a 25 year background in academic medicine and clinical practical research, Atlas said he was stunned. I, I want you to listen to this, people. These are powerful words. Atlas was stunned by the behavior of these three influential figures at the top of our country when he worked as a special advisor to Trump. Why was he stunned? Listen, what I heard and saw was the behavior of people who did not have any any scientific papers with them at these meetings. They did not have a working knowledge of the published literature to make a, a decision running people's lives. That's the same thing that the supervisors of Eubin Sutter County did working with Dr. Death and endorsing things that she said. Atlas says this was a sort of behavior of a bureaucrat interested in covering other bureaucrats and manipulating or working with the media to critique people who had a different opinion, which was myself. Now, what happened to Scott Atlas? He lost his employment at the Stanford University because he stood up for truth. By the way, people that stood up for truth around the country, like Judy Mikovits and Dr. David Martin and Zev Zelenko, by the way, I just heard Zev Zelenko's coming to town. I don't have the date yet, but coming to Yuba City and speaking. I think uh, I, I don't have the date yet, so I'll just leave that there. I'm telling you, people, people that stood up around the country, The uh, I can't remember his name, but he, he, I think he's up in Minnesota. He's now, I think he was a senator up there. Now he's running for governor, I think. They, they, they culture canceled him. They bombed him. They carpet bombed him with, with inaccurate material. It says here, Scott At now Scott Atlas, I think, is working for uh, Hillsdale, Hillsdale College. During his tenure as a special advisor to Trump, Atlas had been described as the often dissenting advisor. Atlas said when he organized a group of scientists and medical physicians to meet with Trump. Uh, I'm going to skip that because it takes too much time. Uh Okay, I, I just I, I want to get to the beef of this. Atlas said public health leaders and people in big pharma should also be held accountable for the failed COVID-19 response. Listen, people, our people in the our good people, our citizens that run this country, the people that get up and go and fix your plumbing, that they they sell your groceries, they go and they build your houses they, they teach your kids, all that kind of stuff. The people, those people, there needs to be accountability to those people. Those people that cut your kid's hair, those people that sell you sewing supplies or whatever, whatever, the thousands and thousands of occupations. He says one of the biggest failures of the National Institute of Health and Food and Drug Administration here during the pandemic was a complete Failure to rapidly do the clinical trials on drugs that were already FDA approved. You know what I'm going to say. You know what drugs those are. Ivermectin. I took, I took hydroxychloroquine back in 1990, 1989, to go to Uganda and to go to India. Two different trips because they mandated taking malaria medicine and that was the prophylactic. So when they said hydroxychloroquine was a bad drug, I thought, you liars. And ivermectin is a bad drug, you liars. Beale Air Force Base has a storage unit full of hydroxychloroquine right now. I've been told that by people at work out there. These guys are liars. 
at the start of the pandemic, some doctors, Atlas writes, claimed that hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, both FDA approved, were effective in treating COVID-19 patients. More doctors and studies have claimed the same since. However, the FDA never approved those two drugs for treating COVID. The NIH COVID-19 treatment guidelines state that the existing data doesn't support using these two drugs against COVID. This is a complete fraud, a scam, a lie, and they, they did it because they didn't want you to have simple, preventive, prophylactic-type medications to stop COVID. He said people in Big Pharma and the Centers for Disease Control are also responsible for not being transparent, said Atlas. We need accountability on the people in Big Pharma who didn't show fully the data. We don't have the full set of data from the CDC on complications from the vaccines. Why don't we? He says, why don't we? Do you know that uh, remdesivir, which is proved when it was used in Africa, uh, like Liberia and different uh, countries that had a big outbreak of Ebola. Remdesivir, which is the only prescribed blessed drug to use in the ICU when people get really bad on COVID. Remdesivir killed half the patients it was given to. Ebola is a virus, like COVID, like MERS, right? It's a virus. It killed half the people they used it on. Yet Fauci said that's what they're going to actually, if you give remdesivir, they're going to give you bonuses at the hospital. Remdesivir, you know how many people? It killed three out of ten. Three out of ten people that were put on remdesivir died. Using the vent killed people. It was They call it medical malpractice right now. Medical malpractice. Listen, people, uh, Scott Atlas is has actually, I think, written a book now. I don't, I don't have it. I don't have it written here where I can quote you the book where you could go read it for yourself. If you if you duck duck go it, I don't say Google it anymore. I my tendency is to say that the the search engine duck duck go is far superior to Google. And uh, it does not have a lot of the censoring that Google has on it. So if you use DuckDuckGo, D-U-C-K-D-U-C-K-G-O, go and look and buy Scott Atlas' book. I'm going to get Scott Atlas' book. I'm also, I've already got Kennedy's book that was bought for me, Uh, John, uh, not John, but Robert Kennedy's book, uh, The True Fauci or The Real Fauci. And then I want to read another book he's got as well. There's so, so many good books out there. Uh, I'm trying to see if I can get Atlas book. I don't see it. So anyway, I'll leave you with that about that. We have supervisors that right to today. Today is uh, I'm I'm recording this on the 24th of March. And our supervisors still endorse the policies of Dr. Death, Dr. Fong, Joseph Mingla, Lou, and also Crystal Martin, who's her sidekick, who's getting paid to convince people against their better judgment to get jabbed. And I'm going to tell you about, in fact, there's a clip I have today on some of the people that have taken the jab and I'm going to, I'm actually going to read them to memorialize the loss of these people. I'm going to read some to see from young people to doctors that have died from taking the COVID shot. Now, let me mention a couple of people, uh, 
Will Fanning and Josh James, they are the leading. Uh, there's, there's other power equipment places around town, uh, and I'm not speaking ill of any of them. They've served here for years, but these guys are cranking it on. I was talking to them the other night. I saw them at a meeting, and they said, we're, we're very, very busy. In fact, we're looking to hire people, all power services. You can, they'll fix anything that you have that's, that's pushed by power gas power electric whatever chainsaws mowers tractors off-road vehicles motorcycles trucks big rigs boat motors all power services 530-844-0347 there shouldn't ever be a reason that you can't use something you pay good money to to uh, benefit your life so you can reach them at 844-0347, or you can go by email if you want to just shoot them a message, allpower1469 at gmail.com. All power and the word and the number 1469. That just is that's our address, 1469 Stewart Road. It's kind of south, just a tad south of Yuba City, um, out just outside the city limits at 1469 Stewart Road. That's right off Highway 99. Very easy. And uh, they make it easy. They do not collect all your broken stuff. He told me the other night, he said, I don't know whether somebody dropped off 40 chainsaws or 50 chainsaws or something, one of these big tree services. And they got it. They, they said, man, we need some help out here. But they are busy boys right now. Uh, okay. So let's see. I also want to mention Thrifty Rooter. These guys are, you know, when somebody does something, runs a business for over 40-some years, uh, they got it going on, and they've been serving. And, and when you have repeat customers over, I, I, I have a friend that says, I, you know, they've been using the Thrifty Rooter forever. And uh, I think I was, I've said before, we, when I went to work at Glad Tidings, uh, we needed to do some work out there, and I, I got Thrifty Rooter in, and they pumped all our tanks out. In fact, I think we may have done that just recently. But uh, Thrifty Rooter, you can reach them easy at 530-673-8201. If you're a techie, you can go to their website at thriftyrooter.net. You can see all the menu of stuff they do, and uh, you can just check off the things that you want. You wonder, I wonder if they do this. They'll answer all those questions by just looking at their website, and then you can type in your name, your address, your phone number, and just type them a message. Boom, send it over to them in the middle of the night, and they will respond to you the next day and solve all your problems. Or you can just use the number 530-673-8201 and they will, uh, they got this dispatch center. All these people got dispatch centers. Um, and they will, they will just like 911. They, they're a plumbing 911. So whether you're, you're looking for, uh, you know, a lot of people in our rural area here have their own, they have to manage their own, their own septic system. And uh, Thrifty Rooter knows how to do that as well as take care of your city uh, sewage issues as well or your your plumbing issues throughout your house. Broken water lines. I've had everything at my house. I've, I've experienced everything. The only thing I don't have is a septic system or I'd have had that backed up as well. So uh, anyway, we'll be right back. We have, uh, we're coming up on our fifth segment and uh, hang with us.
Alarm over the exodus of Russian elites is the new fear-mongering tactic being used by lamestream media and conspiracy websites alike. Reports of private jets flying out from underground and military bases is supposed to get us all terrified about some impending doom. But the reality is a lot more mundane than they're making it out to be. Let me explain. When the Soviet Union fell in 1991, it created a power vacuum in the former Soviet states and in Russia. Without a stable government, everything was up for grabs. Crime syndicates sprang up everywhere and took over existing businesses and infrastructure. No one could stop them. And these powerful gangsters became very, very rich. But Russians eventually got sick of living in fear, so they voted in Putin to bring back law and order. This caused some, but not all, of the mafia oligarchs to flee. Those who stayed behind learned to adjust and adapt their business models to the new reality. And Putin didn't really go after them because further destabilizing the country would have been a dumb move. But that was 22 years ago, and things have, once again, gotten out of control. And now Putin's promising to go after enemies of the state and traitors within Russia. So that's why you see the wealthy leaving. They don't want to pay the piper. Can you blame them? So relax, this isn't about some false flag event. Rest assured that this isn't the first time that we've seen this happening. And if going after corruption becomes a trend, I promise you, it won't be the last. Do you see it yet? God bless America. And just get job. Ronnie got vaccinated on the 12th of August. Three days later, he was completely paralyzed on his left side. He spent four days in hospital, unable to walk and trying to gain his strength. Doctors said he had signs of a stroke, but didn't link it to the vaccine. I mean, in your mind, you automatically knew that it was linked to the vaccine. 100%. I took the vaccine and then literally in a week, I started to lose strength in my legs. We thought it's like something that would pass in the weekend, right? We thought it yeah. would, we didn't think it would last. Right. And so we got scared. My grandma got scared, of course. By the way, she's ICU nurse. So long story short, they did some tests. We still didn't know why I'm not walking. By the way, I'm still not walking. Bye. Fifty-nine years of marriage, a love so strong only death can do them part. Now Attilo Antonio is left heartbroken after his loving wife Francesca Vestadello died just three weeks after receiving the AstraZeneca vaccine. The family is devastated. We just watched mum die before our eyes and she passed away after three days being in the nursing home. So from the evening that she got AstraZeneca to when she passed was 23 days. Last April, Muldoon got the AstraZeneca vaccine not long after he became seriously ill. And I was in a lot of pain and um, the next morning I had started passing blood and vomiting and the pain was getting pretty intense. Muldoon needed emergency life-saving surgery to remove about two meters of his intestine after doctors found blood clots linked to the vaccine. <laughs> like.
for our expe forward S expedition. SBN West is black. It's black with a beige, like a beige bottom. <laughs> I can't. What? Has anything like this ever happened to your mother before? No. <laughs> I got the vaccine. <laughs> I don't. I not, none that I know of. I can't. I, please help. Your now, Michelle Georges is confined to a wheelchair unable to walk after receiving her first dose of the AstraZeneca vaccine on April the 2nd. The next day, April 3rd, in the morning when I woke up, I fainted. And so that's when everything started. Shaking, um, I couldn't balance, and I just couldn't coordinate my movements properly. The once healthy teen knew there was a link to the vaccine, but doctors were quick to deny that. But with this experience, we've noticed that as soon as we mention vaccine it's like a completely changed demeanor like they're all so hostile they're so angry they just want to you know make you quiet they're just like no it's not related they were very adamant that it was unrelated to the vaccine and that it was some sort of mental health issue instead after being discharged from two hospitals still in terrible condition michelle was finally transferred to an inpatient rehab where she spent the next two months undergoing intense therapy Step by step, day by day, Michelle is returning to a somewhat normal, but doctors say it could take years. Ashley Wilson and Rory Nairn had just bought their dream home and were busy planning their summer wedding. But last month, the 26-year-old collapsed and died from myocarditis, 12 days after receiving his first Pfizer vaccine. You just got back. Did you, what did you do? USO tour? Yeah, went to Kuwait and oh, to Baghdad. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah, it was nice. I got the call. You've done those. And yeah, yeah. They, uh, I got the call and they said, do you want to go entertain the troops? And I said, sure. And they go, okay, you're going to leave for Baghdad on Tuesday. <laughs> I go, don't we got any troops in Maui? Because <laughs> it's really nice over there. And I was, when I was there, that's when the president issued that uh, $15 million bounty on um, Saddam Hussein. Right. I was like Sacagawea with MapQuest. <laughs> where's he at? Where's he at? Where's he at? I was looking for him everywhere. Now, do you find the Middle Eastern culture interesting? Is it? Did you... you know, everywhere you go, there's something new. Like, in the Middle East, they broadcast their prayers from the mosques five right. times a day. And I don't know a lot about praying because I'm Catholic, you know? <laughs> I pay a guy to do it for me, you know? But everywhere you, you go. You pay a guy to do it yeah, for you, you know, really? 20 bucks in the plate, it's a get out of hell free card. That's yeah, yeah. all you need. <laughs> Every time I do this, I had a clip I should have played in the last segment, but um, I got to talking and forgot about it, so uh, it's okay. I, I'm adjusting, and I'm going to put it in this segment, and I'm going to get it done right away so I don't forget about it again. Um, I have I, I came into the uh, live show last Saturday, 
And I could hear a familiar voice coming over the radio, and it wasn't the the guy that was running the show. It was uh, a female voice, and it was Lara Logan. And you might know Lara Logan. She worked for, I don't know if she went, worked for one of the mainstream media for quite a while. But it was Lara Logan, and I thought they had her uh, live uh, interview on the show. And I kept listening to it, listening to it. And she was talking about the Russian-Ukraine uh, battle, the, the controversy that's going on. And finally, I realized that they were playing a clip like I often, that I often do here. And, uh, and I congratulated them on having her on the show, which I, again, I thought that she was live, but, uh, I want you to, to listen to this clip. I'm, I'm going to play it on the live show as well. Uh, but I want you to listen to it cause you didn't get to hear what I heard. And this is a very good clip by Lara Logan. And, um, it's about uh, about nine minutes long, but it's very uh, insightful about the whole uh, geopolitical drama being played out in Ukraine and Russia. Be right back. You, um, the Daily Mail has a very interesting story that's saying uh, that Vladimir Putin essentially may be running out of bullets, that he might have a week and a half, two weeks max. He's losing warplanes, tanks, all the rest of it. He obviously went into this thinking he was going to bulldoze his way through Ukraine. He's obviously caused a lot of destruction. Don't want to minimize the fact there's over two million refugees. But this has not gone as well as Vladimir Putin expected. I don't buy it for a second, Ed, I'll be honest with you. I really mm. think that um, there's so much misinformation. We've never really seen anything like it. I mean, I've been covering wars now for 35 years and i have never seen people with their nails done in the ukrainian flag right i mean we're being corralled into this box where we either have to hate vladimir putin and believe everything evil that's said about him and love ukraine and there's no in between and that reminds me a lot of you're either you know um, a white supremacist or you go with the democrat narrative on everything under the sun so um Vladimir Putin knew exactly what he was doing when he went into Ukraine. The Russian military isn't perfect. They, for example, I've spoken to multiple defense specialists and intelligence specialists from a defense intelligence agency who've studied the Russian military for years. They do have a difficulty mounting complex air operations because they do very little um, training hours in comparison to, for example, the United States um, air assets, right, our fighter jet pilots. But Russia um, is not struggling. Uh, what Russia has done from the very beginning has been very strategic. They didn't go straight to Kiev. They went to all those uh, bioweapons laboratories that are scattered all over the country. Some of them they built, so they know where they mm -hmm. are. They've known where they are since the Soviet Union, because under the Defense Threat Reduction Program, um, we went in after the fall of the Soviet Union and supposedly turned those facilities in from bioweapons labs into public health labs. Although, um, you know, these days it's hard to believe anything that our leaders tell us because they've lied about COVID, they lied about Russia collusion, they lied about U the Ukraine impeachment trial. And there's so much mm -hmm. more going on in Ukraine that nobody is talking about. You see such dishonesty when it comes to the history of Ukraine. You see dishonesty when it comes to the Azov Battalion, which is funded by the US and NATO. I mean, you can find pictures of them online holding up the NATO flag and the swastika at the same time. Their own emblem mm -hmm. contains the black son of the occult which was a Nazi SS emblem. And it also contains the sideways, you know, uh, lightning insignia of the SS. I mean, this is on, throughout the Ukrainian military, you can see that black sun of the occult on their uh, body armor, even on the 
female soldiers who are paraded in front of the world as being, you know, such an example of Ukraine's um, independence and spirit and nobility. Even they are wearing the black sun of the occult. And, you know, we want the White House wants you to believe, well, this doesn't matter. It's just a small number of troops. It's not true. The Azov Battalion has been murdering its way through eastern Ukraine. Yeah. We don't want to admit this. This was why Crimea voted for independence. This is why Crimea talking... wanted to be with Russia. Because sure. we in the media, in the Western media and in the West, won't acknowledge the reality of what's gone on. Western Ukraine backed the Nazis. It was a headquarters for the Nazi SS. The CIA under Alan Dulles yeah. actually gave immunity from prosecution to the Nazis of Ukraine mm. from the Nuremberg trials. So um, there is a long history of the United States and our intelligence agencies funding and arming Nazis in Ukraine. These are not like new neo-Nazi groups that sprung up. These are the actual Nazis from the Second World War, who, if you go back to the Nuremberg trials, said that they were planning for a thousand year Reich. And so you have to really wonder as you look at this, when you know that the CIA sponsored the color revolution in Ukraine in 2013 and 14, that they selected Ukraine's leaders, go to the um, Go to Victoria Newland's leaked phone conversation where she and the U.S. ambassador are deciding who can lead Ukraine. I mean, there's as much right. interference here as you could possibly imagine before right. you and even Laura. get to Hunter Biden, Nancy Pelosi, John Kerry mm -hmm. and Mitt Romney and all of their children who are employed, who earn millions from Ukrainian you are gas pointing, companies. Yeah, you're pointing, pardon me, to a real credibility crisis for our leaders. I want to let Karen Turk jump yeah, in. Yeah, I, I wanted to bring up the fact that President Zelensky is Jewish, and I don't know exactly how this factors in, but there's some very interesting points in what you're saying. And looking at this, you know, you could think it's political theatrics. You, you know, made a very good point at the beginning that you think that Putin is con in control. And I actually want to place something that Jen Psaki said, because it seems that the White House is mm. actually echoing that sentiment. Watch this. Well, the end game is really a question for President Putin. We have, we have completely crushed his economy. Uh, we have provided military assistance, humanitarian assistance to the Ukrainians, enabling them to fight back for far longer uh, than the Russian leadership uh, anticipated. Uh, and again, he has, to, uh, he has to determine what the path forward looks for, like for him. Thanks, everyone. He's determining you know, what this looks like. And I think that's a lot of what you said, Laura. I'd love to get your thoughts on that, what you just watched. What troubles me about the moment that we're in is that we have such a selective and a narrow reading of history. You know, President Zelensky may be Jewish, but he's not the only one in this who suffered during the Second World War, whose ancestors suffered, right? I mean, look at Putin. How many relatives did he lose in the siege of St. Petersburg? People don't know their history. They don't know what made Vladimir Putin. And I'm not a defend, you know, I'm not defending him. I don't need to defend Vladimir Putin. My job as a journalist is to try to understand what is the truth here. I don't like being lied to. And we're being mm -hmm. lied to on an epic scale. When we're told your only choices, you have to be 100% with Zelensky, who's a puppet, who you can find on the internet in black stilettos and leather pants, you know, with shirtless, doing a spook, dancing with the stars kind of entertainment video. That's a mock of a Ukrainian group that does this kind of satanic occult type of uh, music video. And I mean, Zelensky was selected like so many of our leaders. And honestly, with, with big tech 
And with election fraud these days, we don't know how many leaders all around the world have been yeah. selected for us and weren't actually voted in. But what we do know is that there are increasing problems with technology and the digitization of our world. Because look at what's happening with COVID. Look at what has happened globally. We are fighting the same battles all over the world. To pretend that this war is about Russia and Ukraine is a just a barefaced lie. Yeah. If Putin has been warning for 15 years that he is not going to stand by while the globalists take over the world, build bioweapons facilities and whatever else they're doing in Ukraine, Ukrainian yeah. oligarchs. Ukraine has been a center of money laundering for you know many of the leaders in this country for how long? Billions of U.S. dollars have been laundered through Ukraine, and we say nothing about it. These are our tax dollars. I mean, before the impeachment trial, had you ever heard of anyone in the United States, I mean, us bringing in foreign governments to the White House for anti-corruption right. training? I mean, does nobody question these things? Why do we not question them? We have an well, idiot uh, like Lieutenant Colonel Vindman hmm. who goes at the impeachment trial and sits there as a lieutenant colonel. He didn't even make colonel. And he's telling the president of the United States what his policy should be. You have a traitor in the form of Maria Yovanovitch, who was Obama's ambassador, who's telling Ukrainian mm -hmm. government officials, don't listen to the will of the American people. Don't listen to well, the election result. We are the true leaders of America. I mean, and then people object when the woman isn't even fired. She's given a cushy job for life at Georgetown University at the expense of the U.S. taxpayer. And we're told that the president of the United States cannot say to his foreign counterparts, you know, that we want yeah. you to look into something. But Joe Biden got can it. withhold as much aid as he wants to. I mean, right. there's so much hypocrisy and dishonesty here. And Ukraine is well, at the center of it all. Go back to Russia collusion. Go to Alexandra Chalupa. Go to Eric Caramella, the, the whistleblower who went to work for Adam Schiff, who wasn't really a whistleblower. Right. And all those corrupt people in the deep state. And you know what? The deep state isn't a theory. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's an actual deep state. Look up the SES, the Senior Executive Service, because when that bureaucracy was ushered into law in the United States right. of America, that's when we got a bunch of unelected bureaucrats well, pulling the strings behind the scenes. And these are Laura, the people that keep lying to us. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, Lara Logan, uh, I, I uh, watched her on some kind of platform, speak at a um, at a big event, and I can't Clay Clark event, awaken event that they're having all all over the country. Uh, I I don't think she spoke at the one that I attended in Los Angeles, but uh, I watched her speak, and she is a very bright person, and so uh, I'll just move on from that. And I want to talk about 10 Lives Changed Forever by COVID Shots because we always, you know, statistics never grab people. Um, and I've had a number of people die that I know personally that were young people uh, that died from the COVID shot, some in other countries, uh, one in Cambodia, one in Vietnam. Uh, we tried to convince them not to take the jab. They, they uh, thought they thought better, I think. We've had some people at maybe around Glad Tidings that took the jab and uh, died. And uh, every week now I meet people that are con finally admitting they, they shouldn't have taken the jab. They're sick. Something's happening in their life or somebody died. Uh, I've had 
medical practitioners in the area that, that served me, uh, that told me about patients of theirs that have died from taking the jab. So the word's getting out, but people, uh, you know, when people do things and then they feel like they did a stupid, they don't want to admit it. And nobody wants to admit that their loved one may have died prematurely because they took the jab. So this article was written by Dr. Joseph Mercola, M-E-R-Cola, just like Coca-Cola, Mercola, one word. You can look at his website. I can't quote you the site, but if you if you duck, duck, go, Dr. Joseph Mer, M-E-R-C-O-L-A, this guy's brilliant. Uh, anyway, he wrote this article. He said, these are real people with real stories to share, and the more people who see them, the more awareness can grow to provide those who survived without the help and medical care they deserve, while warning others of the potentially dead conse- deadly consequences of COVID injections. Um, so st- story at a glance, I'm going to read as much of the details as possible, but uh, you know we, we're running short of time. We have one more segment after this one. It says, Some people who have received COVID-19 shots experience a range of debilitating symptoms or death, number one. Two, healthy teenagers, athletes, and doctors are among those who have died within hours or days of receiving the shot. Others have experienced, number three, others have experienced stroke-like symptoms, paralysis, tics, partial blindness, and seizures from the shots. Four, increasing numbers of people are becoming compelled to speak out and share their stories of how the shots altered their lives okay so uh despite assurances of safety from health officials mercola says it's what the long-term effects of covid shots will be that come to question spike proteins from the shots can circulate in your body after injection causing damage to cells tissues or organs i'm sure that very 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 a minute number of people would have looked at the consequences and got full information before they made the, sh- the shot, right? Peter McCullough, one of the top, the top, I'd consider him the top heart expert in the country, said spike protein is a deadly protein. You're hearing that spike protein left and right. Experimental and observation, um, observational evidence show that the human immune response to COVID-19 shots is very different than the response induced by exposure to to COV2, which is COVID. And people who've received COVID-19 shots may have damage to their innate immune system that's leading to a form of vaccine-acquired immune deficiency syndrome. That is like AIDS, due to the impairment of the interferon signaling. Further, likely due to the monocyte, Activation by the spike protein from the vaccine. Some people who have received COVID-19 shots experience a range of debilitating symptoms similar to those found in long-haul COVID-19 syndromes, such as headaches, fatigue, cognitive dysfunction, joint pain, and chest pain. I know people personally with joint pain, chest pain, and damage to the heart. I, I know that I've known them for years. They took the shot, and they, they've had big problems. For some, however, the shot's adverse effects occur quickly, resulting in life-changing debilitation. You can see 10 powerful examples below. I'll read you a few. These are real people, etc. Jim Ashby, he's learning to walk again. Ashby was forced to take a COVID-19 shot December 3, 2021, or he was going to lose his job. 
it, he was going to be voluntarily resigned. Eight days after receiving the Pfizer jab, he had a major hemorrhagic stroke. He's been in a re- rehab ever since, suffering from complete paralysis on the left side of his body. He still has a long way to go in recovery. Still can't feel or use his left arm or walk without assistance. His rehab is excruciatingly painful, he says, and he spends up to six hours a day learning how to just walk. He said, my old life is dead. My life has been totally changed, all because of the vaccine mandate, and I've started my new life as a paraplegic. Athlete, here's some athletes uh, collapsing and dying. Uh, healthy athletes around the world are dying of heart attacks and strokes. The numbers are exploding with athletes suffering neurological problems as well. What's happened in the last six months to a year, uh, uh, it's act, it's a question what's happened. Uh, why the difference? Why the spike? Uh, so they all, uh, are COVID-19 shots. But among them, so let's, let's I'll just cover this. Abu Ali, a 22-year-old football soccer player, suffered from cardiac arrest in Denmark on September 11, 2021. Caddy, uh, golf caddy Alberto Alguin, collapsed and died from a heart attack on a golf course on October 9, 2021. 30-year-old Venezuelan marathon champion Alexeda Guerdes, 30, died of a heart attack during a 5,000-meter race on October. August 22, 2021. Andrea Ostolfi, 45, sports director of Calcio Orsaga in Italy, died of a heart attack on September 11, 2021, after returning from training. Ava Azopardi, 14 years of age, collapsed on the soccer field in the U.S. on October 15, 2021, suffering from cardiac arrest. She had to be put in a medically induced coma in order to survive. Number three, Dr. Neil Singh Dalla died from myocarditis. Dr. Neil Dalla fell asleep four days after he got COVID-19 booster shot and died from a heart attack. The autopsy stated myocarditis, inflammation of the heart muscle, that's a recognized adverse effect from the mRNA COVID-19 jab. A CEO of a major health clinic, he was only 48 years of age and had never had problems of the heart in his life. Another person, Faith Ransom, Ranson, 16-year-old. Uh, uh, she's she was a happy, healthy 16-year-old Australian. Took the Pfizer jab, is now crippled with convulsions, persistent nausea, and visible uh, t- ticks. The problem began three days after a shot and have been ongoing for months. Health officials actually admitted there's no question Faith has had a delayed reaction to the Pfizer vaccine and is suffering adverse reactions from the shot. Her story. Uh, actually has been portrayed on mainstream news. Uh, in the, um, we have a triple vax nurse from New York explains how she tested positive for COVID-19 and her employer told her to come back to work, even though she hadn't been in quarantine for five days. Again, people are just making the rules up as they go along. Um, okay. So she's, uh, Anyway, I'm going to skip that because we're short. Of, we're short of time. We're about ready. Uh, so, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about this when we come back from the break. This is going to be our last break before um, our last segment. So, just we got a few other clips here, and then we'll start again and finish up another 20 minutes. Be right back. Let's go on the sky. Looks good on that neon buzzing on the wall, but darling, it 
Justice Ginsburg, that there are physical differences between men and women that are enduring. Um, Senator, respectfully, I am not familiar with that particular quote or case, okay. so it's hard for me to... Do you interpret Justice Ginsburg's meaning of men and women as male and female? Again, because I don't know the case, I don't know how I interpret it. I need to read the whole okay. thing. Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? N not in okay. this context. So I'm not a biologist. When, uh, when does life begin, in your opinion? Senator, um, I don't know. <laughs> Ma'am? I don't know. When does equal protection of the laws attach to a, to a human being? Well, Senator, um, I believe that the Supreme Court, um, actually, I, I actually don't know the answer to that question. I'm sorry. I don't. Okay. Um, um, I don't know. Actually, I, I actually don't know the answer to that question. I'm sorry. I don't. Okay. After the Russians secured Pentagon-run biolabs in Ukraine, the U.S. Embassy was caught deleting proof of this from their website. And when the Russians shared documents showing the Ukrainian Minister of Health ordering employees of these biolabs to destroy all deadly pathogens, U.S. Senator Marco Rubio asked the U.S. State Department if there was any truth to this. Undersecretary Victoria Newland not only confirmed the presence of the labs, but confirmed that they contain weaponized biological agents that they now fear the Russians will indiscriminately use to start a world war. The Pentagon calls them bio-research labs and containment labs and claim their clandestine operation is all somehow in self-defense. But they are admittedly creating and storing weaponized biological material. And so these biolabs are in violation of Article 1 of the Prohibition on Biological Weapons. During the past couple years, citizens of the world have been getting an advanced education on bioweapons. And the very same crooks we see foisting the Great Reset medical tyranny are involved in the Ukrainian bioweapons labs. This is all being paid for with tax dollars through the Pentagon's Defense Threat Reduction Agency, the DTRA. U.S. company Black & Veatch has been working closely with the DTRA building bioweapons labs since 2003. Black & Veatch share an office in Kiev with Metabiota, who signed an $18.4 million contract with Black & Veatch in 2014. 
Metabiota got their start in 2015 with funding from Hunter Biden's Rosemont Seneca Technology Partners, who gave Metabiota $30 million to help protect the world from the spread of epidemics. This is the very same Rosemont Seneca that was mysteriously wired $3.5 million from the wife of the former mayor of Moscow. And the very same Metabiota partnered with Peter Daszak's EcoHealth Alliance, the group that Dr. Fauci used to funnel money to the Wuhan lab for gain-of-function research in 2014. In 2014, Metabiota, EcoHealth Alliance, and the Wuhan Institute of Virology were together researching infectious diseases deriving from Chinese bats. Metabiota is working with known CIA front InQtel. It is funded by the U.S. Department of Defense, the NIH, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Google, and the National Geographic Society. Metabiota's founder, Nathan Wolf, sits on the board of EcoHealth Alliance and is a member of DARPA's Defense Science Research Council. In 2012, he wrote a book titled The Viral Storm, The Dawn of a New Pandemic Age, wherein he thanked his friends, pedophile Jeffrey Epstein and biotech venture capitalist Boris Nikolic. Boris Nikolic was named Jeffrey Epstein's successor executor upon his death. Wolf has also been seen hanging out with Ghislaine Maxwell on multiple occasions. He is also one of Klaus Schwab's young global leaders, trained on how to enact the Great Reset Agenda being directed by the World Economic Forum. Russia claims the Pentagon has over 30 biolabs in the Ukraine alone. China claims they are operating 336 biolabs in 30 different countries. And now, members of our corrupt U.S. government are saying this is all a Russian conspiracy and that we should soon expect a false flag attack from Russia. If there's a biological or chemical weapon incident or, uh, or attack inside of Ukraine, is there any doubt in your mind that 100 percent it would be the Russians that would be behind it? There is no doubt in my mind, Senator, and it is classic Russian uh, technique to blame on the other guy what they're planning to do themselves. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. Are you ready? It's almost time. Oh, he's coming back, y'all, like a thief in the night. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Oh, now, it may be morning. All right, let me cover a couple more things here. Uh, Complaints, uh, we're talking about symptoms of the, the jab. Complaints of neurological problems and stroke-like symptoms continue to pile up immediately after receiving the AstraZeneca COVID-19 shot. So AstraZeneca was mainly used in Europe, although some of it over here. Uh, this, So it's talking about a healthy woman experienced headaches and dizziness and blacked out a few times. Within days, she started experiencing numbness to the point that she couldn't stand up. Eight days later, she's in the hospital, loss of feeling in her left arm, left leg, face. She states 19 other women are brought into the hospital ward with the same symptoms over the time that she was there during the weekend. Two teenage boys uh, die of myocarditis. Uh, epidemiologists have confirmed that two teenage boys from different U.S. states died in their sleep of myocarditis 
days after getting the Pfizer shot. Both had received second doses of the shot, and McCullough, uh, Peter McCullough is referring to, said that in his view, the shots led to the deaths of the boys. In a study that examined the autopsy findings, it's reported that myocarditis, that's inflammation of the heart described in the boys' deaths, is not typical myocarditis pathology. Uh, anyway, I won't spend a lot more detail on that. Then number eight, 59-year-old woman dies hours after the shot. This is in the UK. Again, AstraZeneca. Uh, then we have a number nine vaccine advocate nearly goes blind. Uh, the man, uh, he was a believer in science. He was a vaccine advocate. Uh, but it said five days after the Pfizer COVID-19 shot, he started to have blurry vision. His left eye, within three days, he had lost 60% of his vision in that eye, left eye. After several medical examinations, doctors, optometrists, retinas, retina specialists diagnosed him with central serious retinop retinopathy, CSR, they call it, in which a small vein ruptures, leading to fluid to accumulate under the retina, causing retinal detachment and partial blindness. Other cases of CSR have also been reported following COVID-19 shots. And in a case report published with the American Journal Ophthalmology, it stated acute CSR may be temporarily associated with mRNA COVID-19 shots. Man's doctor told him that the risk of getting additional COVID-19 shots outweigh the potential benefits for him and tried to help him get an official exemption from the further shots, but it was denied. He states, I've been deprived of my human Rights as a citizen, I tried to gather all my strength so many times during the past months just to go and receive my second dose in order to follow the law. But the, anyway, I'm not going to go into his whole story. It just it's tragic. Um, young woman suffers from seizure and nearly dies. Uh, anyway, she took the Moderna shot. And uh, the day after the shot, she started feeling weird, delirious, dis disassociated from herself. Soon after, she blacked out in the bathroom. When her husband tried to revive her, she began seizing. She had three seizures between the time her husband called 911 and when he, the ambulance got her to the hospital. Uh, she was intubated, suffered from severe, and et cetera, et cetera. This is encouraging. To, uh, Dr. McCullough's article is saying, please relay to people in authority politicians or something what's happened to you we need to get get the word out i'm going to go up here we have uh, 15 minutes left i got a few people that i want to give a shout out to that that make a difference for us we're living right now in a lawless society uh because not because we don't have lots of law enforcement or not we're not gonna we have p crazy people that are saying we don't want to fund the police that's just absolute nonsense but uh, we have a situation where we have law enforcement, but we have their hands tied by politicians and legislate, legislators that have uh, taken the punishment from a lot of crimes that used to be straight up crimes. And uh, without, I don't have time to go into all the details, but because we have lawlessness in my neighborhood, they're just, you know, we're doing this project on East Street, which is the main drag through Marysville, Highway 70. Literally, we're there. We're there from early morning to the afternoon. There's pe crazy people. There's a guy that they're jumping out in front of um, big rigs. There's a, a big double belly dump that had to slam on his brakes. A guy just stepped right out 
going right out in the middle of the, not even the intersection, but right out in the middle of the street, jumped out. Another guy came walking right down the middle of the street, just people out of their minds. And, uh, and they're going to, you know, totally freaking out. There's it's heavy traffic, two lanes each way, moving through fast, big rigs, lots of big rigs. It's crazy. So people are taking what doesn't belong to them. Everything that, that can be lifted is lifted. Uh, they can steal your electricity. They're stealing water out of your taps. They're, they're bathing. They're crapping in your backyard, bathing in your backyard. We had it happen right at the East Street Project, uh, both bathing, um, using it as a toilet. It's absolutely out of control. The city leaders are looking the other way. They can't, they're, they're impotent. They're incompetent. They're impotent. They're useless. And uh, the law enforcement, I've talked to them. I, I know many of them still. And uh, it's a time, it, there's never been a time when you didn't need more help from private security. And that's where guys like Monty Hecker with Elite Universal Security uh, I mean, we've had people stealing power meters, stealing propane tanks. I mean, it is unbelievable. It just everything is getting unbolted, lifted, stealing copper wire, stealing pumps, stealing uh, catalytic converters. Never been a time when you didn't need security more. And it's now come to private security because the cops uh, just there just aren't enough of them. And you can't get the criminals off the street. They're just citing and releasing them. So if you if you need help with your business, with your home, with your farm, uh, Elite Universal Security is in Yuba Sutter counties, and it's in other counties up in in the Northern California area. They're just they're, they started locally here, so it's their kind of nucleus of activity. But they're but they're all over the place. So if you're listening and you'd like to get a job with Elite Universal. You can you can do that by just dial them up and five three zero seven four nine zero two eight zero. Once again, seven four nine zero two eight zero. Very simple. They will train you. All these people that I I advertise for here, uh, they will train you if you want a job. Whether you want a plumbing job, uh, you don't want a guard job. Whether you want to work in the legal field, they will train you if you're if you're a sharp person. If you're willing to work hard and learn, you've got a good attitude. So Elite Universal Security can help you and protect the the items that are yours and keep people. I had somebody made a comment the other day that that they had to pay a dollar every time they left this store because their people are just crowded around the front hustling them. Uh, Elite Universal Security can stop that. It's it's incredible. Walgreens across the street from me over here in Marysville. It's just it's it's a I like the people there. I shop there. I get my medicine there if I need any. But it's just a not it's a nightmare outside. It's just consistent people that are out of hand, off the hook, and abusing, and they're stealing from them left and right. So uh, Elite Universal Security, call them at five three zero seven four nine zero two eight zero. You can go to their website eliteuniversalsecurity.com or api-academy.com. They will train you online and in person. They will help you get your weapons permits. They, if you, if you're a private citizen and you feel you need a concealed weapon permit, you want the permit. They will get it for you. They will train you. They will test you. You will. They will get you all dialed in to get your permits. So uh, check them out. And uh, I'm telling you, they will come up with creative ways to protect your property in spite of the the disaster that we're having with the legislation. And uh, its negative effect on law enforcement. Uh, also, I, I've uh, I think I mentioned uh, 
Uh, let me also mention Nellie Garcia at North Valley Paralegal. She's had that business. She'd been in the paralegal business for, I don't know, decades, it seems like. But uh, she's owned North Valley Paralegal as her own business for a number of years now. And she moved over to Sutter Street. She's been in Marysville and in another spot in Yuba City. Now she's at Sutter Street in Yuba City. And uh, very easy to get to from either county, 751 Sutter. And you can reach her at 751-9289. That's a 530 area code. Remember, we got to put the area code in. Now, for some reason, it's a pain in the rear after you're doing it for 100 years the other way. 530-751-9289. She's honest. She's fair. She's easy. She likes people. And she uh, treats you like family. She's a good person. She's an honest, good person. And uh, you you often don't get that from an attorney office. They seem like they got too much. Uh, they don't have time for you. And North Valley Paralegal will take care of you and do it right. And finally, uh, my friend, Dr. Joe Cassidy, every week, in fact, tomorrow I'm meeting a guy that we've been waiting, uh, working uh, with, meeting early in the morning. He needs help and uh, meeting with him. And every week we're meeting people from making these pitches over the radio and handing out cards that says, we're ready when you are. And Joe Cassidy is the expert in the Yuba Center area. Uh, Northern California on addiction. He's also treats families and individuals for their general medical needs for Peachtree Health. You can reach him there at Peachtree Health. I'll give you the number in a second. But he also specializes. A lot of doctors do not want to deal with addiction, so he does. And he has. We have some similar thinking about addiction. So I'm tag teaming logistics wise. I'm not a medical person, but I'm going to give you a couple numbers. If you've got people in your life or you are struggling with addiction of any kind, uh, alcohol, meth, opiates, whatever, tobacco, you can reach out to Peachtree Health at 530-749-3242, 749-3242. They should just book you. They'll just say, I need to have an appointment with Dr. Cassidy. They should just say, you know, they'll probably ask you what's your problem, whatever. Just tell them addiction, no big deal, and get hooked up. If there's any confusion at the front end of peachtree health i'm going to give you dr cassidy's number to text not call text not call please 530-682-8648 i give that number out every once in a while they'll say lou i need to talk i got a problem with my suboxone i got this i got that i can't i need i need to talk to doc so uh 682-8648 and that will solve it if for some reason you're just having a tough time getting through call me up and you can reach me every day of the week, 24 hours a day, easy, 530-713-1838. I will get you hooked up, guaranteed, and get you into a rehab or on medication to save your life. And that's what it amounts to right now. I've had, uh, I had a guy call me that used to be in juvenile hall, knew him then. I think he's 20 or 21 now. And uh, he mentioned a couple of guys. He said, you remember these guys? They were in juvenile hall with me, Lou. And he said, now both of them are dead. They both overdosed. And it's happening every week. Uh, they don't publicize it uh, the, because the, uh, the government, who should be addressing this in a big way, is not addressing it sufficiently, and they ignored it for two years to focus on COVID. How sad that is, right? They made a big deal out of a small deal and, uh, and ignored syphilis, gonorrhea, chlamydia, uh, fentanyl, opium. I mean, not opium, but... Uh, 
heroin and all all the all the opiates they ignored that and and we have a huge problem we have a huge opiate problem in our area and it was just completely ignored so uh dr cassie can help we can help you let's see if i've covered everybody i think i have uh all right all right all right okay okay so um I want to go down here and talk about something that I'm so sick. Uh, You know, the reason that business is corrupted a lot of times is because the the government is just overreached in controlling businesses. So they they then turn around and corrupt government. And uh, I want to talk briefly about this. And uh, one day... I read an article. In fact, I was going to write an article about it, but uh, I'm still looking here. Hold on. I'm almost there. Uh, it was about with the WIC program. You know, the women and infant uh, and children. It's called WIC. It's a government program where if you qualify for, if you're low income, supposedly, they give you these vouchers to buy all kinds of products that other people have to buy at the store. Uh, and so they're like, uh, if they're alternatives to breastfeeding, a lot of it, right? And it's a scam. And what it is, is the, they, the, uh, the makers of these products have convinced uh, the government officials, legislators, that uh, women cannot afford to feed their own babies. Now, isn't that amazing? God gave them breasts to feed their babies, right? But not only do they, they, so they're trying to convert them off breast milk, which is the best thing to do, is to feed them with breast milk, but instead they convert them to using chemicals and synthetic, uh, supposedly a good substitute for breast milk. And then they also have um, uh, meals, that they buy like for, uh, Oh, I can't remember the name of it, but other types of foods for children, right? Milk, just regular milk, all that kind of stuff. So they get all this completely free. They just, it's, it's a WIC program. And do you know who pays for that? That would be you and me. And so these, these uh, private companies have convinced legislators that they're saving the life of children and making healthier children by, again, by legislators being charitable with your and my money. And they just give all this food away free. In other words, you can, uh, you can go out and produce all the children you want, but you don't have to feed them yourselves. Your neighbor has to feed them. Right. So in other words, my neighbors right here, uh, I'm feeding their children for them, even though I'm, I didn't make a decision to do that. It's government, just like the Yuba Sutter arts council is being funded by our supervisors with my money, even though I didn't okay that. And then they turn around and are, they use discriminatory practices to enter their events. That's the same thing with WIC. So what government, what, what business has done when they realize that government was going to overreach and over, over uh, control their businesses, they turn around and convince and lobby legislators to convince them to make a law that they actually will give food away, and and but they're not donating the food. The infamil people 
and all the formula people, they are not donating their food to help the poor. What they're doing is they're selling it to the taxpayers to give away to whoever can qualify. Now, do you remember the food pyramid? Remember the food pyramid, the shape of pyramid, and it showed different layers of different types of food on the way up to the pinnacle of the peak or the cap of the pyramid. You remember that? And so it keeps changing over the year. Do you know why it keeps changing? You think, oh, it's changing because we have better understanding, more scientific understanding of foods today than we used to. Totally wrong. And there is an article, and I don't know whether I can get you the, it's called 95% of committee members advising on the U.S. dietary guidelines have ties to big pharma and big food. This is a total scam. It's written by a guy. It's a Ph.D., Michael Nevradakis. I think that's a, a Greek name, Nevradakis. Nev, N-E-V-R-A-D-A-K-I-S. Anybody that's interested in food, particularly if you're into whole foods or natural foods or organic foods or how to feed yourself, which amazingly is totally been corrupted by people that 95% of these people on the Food and Drug Administration are these, uh, oh, it's United States Dietary Guidelines for Americans Advisory Committee called DGAC, DGAC, D-G-A-C, DGAC. And that's the group that comes up with how to eat. And uh, they set the guidelines used by U.S. policymakers, healthcare providers, nutrition educators, and federal nutrition program operators. That'd be WIC, including those responsible for school lunch programs. Man, did you see what Obama's wife did? She just starved people with that program. And what foods and beverages must uh, meet nu- nutrient needs, promote health, and prevent disease. These, this whole committee is totally corrupted. I don't have time. I'm, I only got a minute left totally corrupted they're just simply selling their products to the american taxpayers through these guidelines and people good good-hearted mothers young mothers are trying to figure out what's best for their babies and doing the wrong thing because these big uh corporate media food people are in there selling their products that are crap i feel so bad they're just corruption everywhere people so uh According to the study, 129 industry actors had relationships with 20 DJAC members based on, uh, it's just conflict of interest, COI they call it, conflict of interest disclosures submitted by members of the committee. These people all have conflicts of interest. They work for big pharma, they work for big food, and they're on this thing telling you what you should eat and inject into your body. It's a totally corrupt system. And you shouldn't pay any attention to it. We're done. It's over. And uh, we just ran out of time. But there's a lot left to talk about. We'll have to, have to push it to some other time. Have a good week. Do something good for somebody this week. God bless you. Bye-bye. I see trees of green Red roses too I see them bloom for me I think to myself What a wonderful world I see skies are blue And clouds 
the bright blessed day and the dark sacred night and I think to myself 